Do, do, do. Hello there, Nerd Talkalypse here, and we're asking you, our lovely listeners, to support our programming by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash nerdtalkalypse. For as little as $1 a month, your contribution will continue to make this show very special for our current listeners and newcomers. For a mere $2 a month contribution, we will help you promote by plugging your band, YouTube channel, podcast, or any other project you're currently working on. And we'll do this every week for as long as you remain a patron. And finally, we have a limited $5 a month perk that will gain you a spot in the top five patron guest list, which means when our show requires a guest, you will be among the five people we ask first to be on the show, and will be chosen in order. We thank you deeply for your continued loyalty as listeners, and hope to put these contributions to good use. Remember, we're not only doing this because we love it, but because we love being nerdy, and we know you do too. So head over to patreon.com slash now to make your contributions, and enjoy this brand new episode of Nerd Talkalypse Podcast. enthusiasts, and thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Nerd Talkalypse Podcast with your hosts, Lane Stipe and Deej Penhollow. As always, we're here geeking out weekly with our listeners about our favorite nerd topics, from Marvel and DC Comics, TV and Film, Star Wars, The Wizarding World of Harry Potter and Beyond, Pokemon, The Walking Dead Universe, various anime topics, and most things in between. That's right, guys. Here on this show, we express pride in our pop culture nerdism and work hard to bring you trending content from all of the fandoms that you love. You can find every episode of our show at nerdtalkalypsepodcast.com. Also find our channel at youtube.com slash nerdtalkalypsepodcast. Please reach out to us via email at nerdtalkalypse at gmail.com, Twitter at nerdtalkalypse, or facebook.com slash nerdtalkalypse. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. We'd love some feedback, and it really helps to grow the show and helps other nerds like you to find it. If you're interested in other ways of support, head over to patreon.com slash nerdtalkalypse, where you can indulge in one of our many perks and help grow the show that way. Nerdtalkalypse is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network. Please enjoy this week's episode. What's up, Nerdthusiasts? Thank you for joining us for episode 55 of Nerdtalkalypse. This episode is titled... I'm Mary Poppins, y'all! <laughs> and... Properly so, because we are talking Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Boom! And, and even if you haven't seen the movie, you've probably this has been all fucking over the internet. Right? Yeah, you you should know this. At quote. least that quote. Yes. Not who it's from or why it's a thing. I've seen so many memes and shit about it, dude. It's just nonstop. But we're gonna go ahead and get right into it here. We got a little bit of nerd news first. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's time for the latest in nerd news with Nerd Talkalypse. We are going to start with some DC Universe news. Yes, let's do it. Actor Josh Gad recently randomly tweeted a panel of DC Comics' The Penguin completely out of the blue. You know who Josh Gad is? No. Put the lime in the coconut? Put the lime oh, yeah. in the coconut. Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder why he would do combine Combine the tweet with the fact several of the folks over at DC Entertainment recently started following the actor on the ever-popular microblogging service. And we might have ourselves another live-action version of the Penguin. I could see him playing that. Yeah. I could see him doing it. He's goofy enough and then just kind of short and squat. I think he's perfect for yeah. it, honestly. I think, he'll, I think he'll do all right. After the original tweet, concept art maestro Boss Logic worked magic and came up with a what-if style picture of Gad playing the personal Batman villain. And th- these guys do fucking amazing jobs. Yeah, I was going to put that picture in here, but... Guess what? The work didn't go unnoticed. Gad retweeted the work with the emoji of a hand making the OK sign. Should Gad play Oswald Cobblepot, he'd be the fourth actor to portray the character in live action. Originally played by Burgess Meredith in Adam West's campy Batman series of the 1960s, Danny DeVito took over the role for the much darker Batman Returns. I thought DeVito did good. From yeah, what I yeah. Remember. I mean, yeah. DeVito does good in almost everything he does. He 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 reminded me a lot of the penguin from Arkham. Yeah. Or like so I guess Arkham reminds me of him because he did it first, I guess. Yeah. But I like that type of thing. Dude, uh, he's it, actually kind of penguin. It's crazy, man. He has like fins on his hands like Yeah. You know what I mean like he's not He's yeah. like dude, his fucking monocle man is just like the bottom of a glass bottle. He's a gangster, dude. It's crazy. Only true G's can pull that off. I like. I just started Arkham City, and I like how at the beginning of it, like you get to fight as Bruce Wayne for a while. Oh yeah. Like the it opens up, and you have to. I mean, you have to. I can't remember why. He he's opening on a rally against against Arkham City, like mm. as a thing, and he's captured. I guess like. Did this seem like a weird? Let's just make a city where we can let the criminals have. Yeah, it's right very bizarre, city. but yeah, he's that's what it's opening up on and then and then he gets captured by Hugo Strange. Hugo Strange. Who, who then Batman does. Bruce, Bruce Wayne does. does yeah, yeah, and then and then put into a prison and is encountered by the penguin. I feel like I remember that vaguely. Not the I haven't and played then that game. Bruce all. Wayne has to fight the penguin and a bunch of his guys and then Dude, that scene though, man, like you're in, like, I mean, you're fighting with fucking cuffs on the whole right. time. And Bruce Wayne fucks you, fucks him up. Yeah, he's Bruce Wayne. Like, you fuck him up, and then, and then, like, you have to climb to the very top of this thing and call Alfred, and he, like, comes by and drops the suit in his big pod. Yeah. And you got to go up there and suit up. That's what you starts get, the game. Yeah, you get 10 gamer points for suiting up. Hell yeah. It's dope. It's such a cool scene. I just want to see you get, like, in that thing, and then, like, Barney Simpson walk out and be like, 10 points for suiting up. Did you? Yeah, right? That'd be that'd so fun, funny, That'd dude. be funny to me. It'd be know. cool, man. It was really, so far, so good. <coughs> like, I, I'm, I'm not very far into it, but. That game was awesome as shit, as far as and I remember. And, like, dude, Two-Face is brutal in that game. Yeah. I think there's a lot of bank robberies when he's involved. Like, you do a lot of, you have, it's like a side missions. Oh, I'm sorry. The very first fucking person you get to play as in the entire game is Catwoman. That feed is horrible. Yeah, the feed's really bad. I'm wondering if it's because of the. This background here. I'm gonna turn. I'm gonna take that background off. 
Um, having been in just two movies so far, a much younger version of Cobblepot can currently be seen on Fox's Gotham, as played by Robin Lord Taylor, and I love his character, man. He brings that show. Yeah, he really does. That Gotham is very much about, almost about him, pretty it's a, much. Yeah, it's a lot about him, he, him, and it's just about as much as him as it is his fucking, what's his face? Gordon. Yeah. Um, regardless of Gad were to get the role or not, the next step would be to determine which movie the character would make his DC Extended Universe debut in. With Wonder Woman, Justice League, and Aquaman all out of reach, one would assume the character would appear in one of the many Batman family films currently on the slate. Well, yeah, he's a Batman villain. Yeah. <laughs> like, Penguin's gonna show up in, a, well, in an Aquaman movie. He's just deep sea diving in Atlantis, and he just has to fight Aquaman. That'd be stupid as shit. Yeah, hold up. I'm stopping the stream. Okay. It's shitty. The Batman starring Ben Affleck, Nightwing, Batgirl, and Gotham City Sirens are all in the various stages of development. I can see it happen like a Batgirl one or something. That'd be cool. At Warner Brothers, and although the Penguin is an arch nemesis of Bruce Wayne's, it certainly wouldn't be unreasonable for the villain to appear in another Bat Fam property. It definitely would not. More more reasonable than appearing in Batman, uh, like a fucking Superman movie or something. Like Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, where'd you go? Where are you at? I'm done with that. Oh, you read the whole thing? Okay. All right, so we have an update here on the Flash movie. Um, the curse surrounding the Flash and its directional woes, uh, let's see, will hopefully be broken soon since Warner Brothers confirmed it was developing a standalone movie for the Flash. Fans have witnessed one crew shakeup after another. Seth Graham Smith was the first director director to exit the project, and Rick Famuyiwa <laughs> Of dope fame, uh, he did the movie Dope. Never heard of it. Uh, was next to go. Since then, any word about the Flash project has been kept hush. But one of the film's stars just gave an update on the project, and as expected, the Flash has made a little or has made little progress overall. In an interview for Alien Covenant, Billy Crudup, um, who played, I believe, Doctor Manhattan in the Watchmen movie, he is playing Barry's father in Justice League and in this movie. Uh, he was asked by a foreign site whether he knew the uh, when the filming for Flash would be would begin. Uh, however, the star said he wasn't sure when he would get the chance to play Barry Allen's father thanks to one actor's busy schedule. And he's quoted saying, oh no, I don't. It's unclear at the moment. Ezra's schedule. Ezra's a busy man. He's very popular and excellent. Crap told uh, Bad Taste Italy. Of course, the update isn't surprising to fans who kept up with the Flash since losing Famu Yiwa, <laughs> the Famu Yiwa. The film has gone underground as it regroups its executive its executive crew. Earlier this year, Variety insider Justin Kroll said his sources have led him to believe that Warner Brothers is taking some time to pick out the next Flash director. After all, Ezra Miller is slated to begin work on the sequel to Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them this summer. Really? The studio will be able to use that film's production time to help them pick the best director for The Flash. So, I guess, fucking spoilers for Fantastic Beasts. What's his that, face, isn't it? That, that dad, he never died in the first one, apparently. I don't remember. He was a, he was a, uh, Obscurial. Oh, he was? Yeah, he was the, uh, Prudence. Oh, so, oh, it wasn't the girl, it was her. It was him, huh? Yeah. That's right. I gotta watch that movie again. Yeah. But maybe it'll be from, like, flashbacks or something. It could be, yeah. Um, still fans still fans are still eager to fan cast their own director for the film reports continue to crop 
up names like <coughs> Robert Zemeckis of Back to the Future. Now, I was super fucking excited when I heard that Robert Zemeckis was possibly going to be directing The Flash. I was like, fuck yeah. So I'm a huge Back to the Future nerd. And what better what better person to direct a Flash, a, a hero that travels through time than the person who fucking has the hearts of millions in time travel all across the world than <coughs> Robert Zemeckis himself. I'd but what? What? I didn't hear what you said. Me neither. Um, you didn't either. What's up? Uh, but for right now, all fans can do is wait and give Warner Brothers the breathing room it needs to get its next director right. So apparently, yeah, it's been recanted that Robert Zemeckis is uh doing it. Oh. So we have no idea who's going to be directing the Flash movie. But, but it was gonna. Oh yeah, that's it for DC. I was gonna see if there was any Marvel things right here on the fly. Beep, 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 beep. Um, we can read that pop or the in other news then if you want. The Dragon Ball. Yeah. All right, Dragon Ball live action happening or not? Back in two thousand. <laughs> Back in two thousand nine, the anime fandom was dealt a blow more powerful than even the Kamehameha wave. <laughs> Gotta say a gangster shit every time. After several years in development, Hollywood introduced the world to the first live-action adaptation of Dragon Ball. And the feature is one many wish they could forget. I've forgotten most of it. (laughs) (laughs) Dragon Ball Evolution solidified the industry's dismal luck with anime, leaving fans to write off Hollywood when it comes to adaptations. It has been nearly a decade since Dragon Ball Evolution crept up on fans, but the fandom still cannot forgive 20th Century Fox for the slight. It was horrifying. Did you ever watch it? Yes, it's shit. (laughs) <laughs> yes, it's shit. <laughs> I wonder how much money. I wonder if they made a lot of money or whatever. I had it well, first. let's find out. I'm going to look it up. You know, because a lot of people probably would have gone originally to see it. Yeah. So naturally, fans are freaking out over recent reports, which does Hollywood is circling Dragon Ball for another go. Now, with these fucking YouTube videos people are coming out with, man, these those YouTube movies, The Light of Hope and all that. Yeah. That's what it's called, right? Light of Hope. Light of Hope, yeah. And that one with Cell, uh, he was at the... The lookout. <laughs> this is pitiful. But um, but regardless, if YouTube channelers can make these movies, then Hollywood should have no fucking problem. Oh, I agree completely. Just with budget alone, hire these fucking guys to do it. You know, with the amount of money they have, they could do it. Oh, like, ugh. Yeah, dude. They if these if these people had the money that they needed, man, then that that no one would be able to touch. What? I thought you were about to read that. Uh. Oh, I'm going to. Yeah. So yeah, so Dragon Ball Evolution, it I don't know what its opening weekend was, but its lifetime domestic is only nine million three hundred and sixty two thousand seven hundred and eighty five. Well, that's forty eight million. Yeah, and and Probably worldwide Yeah, so worldwide it made under sixty million. That's good, man. That's shitty. What was the budget, does it say? Doesn't that say no, it doesn't say any budget. Yeah, sometimes to. it does. Probably they were like, we don't want anybody to know how much money we lost on this movie. Yeah, so it's like... This movie costs us $900 million. It's bad, dude. That's really bad. I mean, I wish I could make $57 million. I mean, yeah. But considering... <coughs> just wait till you get... Wait till you see how much Guardians of the Galaxy opened up to. I haven't seen that yet. I, I know. I don't know yet. The first day. Okay, anyway. Earlier this month... Earlier this month... Bloomberg published a report which confirmed Funimation was being looked at by Sony Pictures and Universal Studios. That would be cool. The report highlighted the anime company's multi-million revenue to thank... Wait. 
revenue thanks to home video sales. Particularly, Dragon Ball caught the attention of Hollywood given its costly Blu-ray and DVD collections, but fans are suspicious of the industry's true motives. See, while Funimation did say it isn't interested in merging with Hollywood studios like Sony at the moment, fans have started to wonder if Hollywood may be trying to get back in Dragon Ball's good graces. Good graces. Yeah, Funimation is like, hell no! (laughs) We ain't doing that shit again. Uh, Funimation has a friendly relationship with Toei Animation, uh, the company who oversees the sh- shonen, <coughs> shonen anime. Yes. Um, the pair have worked together for decades, and Toy Animation could have persuaded to enter another Hollywood contract if Funimation backs up a movie studio. It is safe to say that the 20th Century Fox has lost all chance of resurrecting a live-action Dragon Ball franchise, but other studios might be able to if they can appease Toy Animation. So far, fans have responded negatively to the idea of a new live-action Dragon Ball venture. Dragon Ball Evolution has stained any future attempts to adapt the anime, and fandom still likes to point blame on Hollywood for trying to cash in on a Toriyama story without proper preparation. The director of Dragon Ball Evolution has said he'd never heard of the franchise before he was asked to direct. And even worse, the creator of Dragon Ball has distanced from the film, um, or distanced the film from his long-running series on multiple occasions. So, if Hollywood were to try to make another live-action Dragon Ball film, it would need to wait a few more decades to give it a go. Uh, I disagree with that. Decades, maybe. Maybe <coughs> half a decade. Decades? Yeah, like decades, plural. I'm going to be 50 years old when I finally see a good live-action Dragon Ball movie? That's bullshit. Like, uh, oh, that, <laughs> and I'm going to be... Uh, if I'm like 50 years old at the movie, like, finally. And, be like, <laughs> and it's going to be shit. I'm going to be like... <laughs> So the, it says, <sighs> the controversy surrounding Dragon Ball Evolution continues to enrage fans, and Hollywood's subsequent anime failures have only worsened the issue. Most recently, Ghost in the Shell flopped at the box office, further cementing the industry's trouble with anime. At least one Hollywood studio would need to show some consistent success with the live-action anime adaptations before Dragon Ball could be touched again. And even then, fans of the infamous title may very well reject such a future out of spite. <coughs> I'm disappointed that Ghost in the Shell flopped. Ghost in the Shell? Yeah. Yeah. It looked really fucking cool. <coughs> I'm going to ask Dave if he's seen it and what he thinks about it. Cause yeah, he seemed to be very interested in the... Um, yeah, because I've never watched anime, so I didn't, you know, he has, so he, he was more excited for it. And I guess uh, well, since we just found out in the Flash update in Harry Potter news, uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Him is filming this summer. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to. We're going to see Young Door. Hopefully. <laughs> Youngle dog. <laughs> Youngle dog. Why is my Youngle dog. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're back to it. <laughs> All right, so there's not really any Marvel news here on the fly. There's a new uh, Spider-Man Homecoming clip. We saw uh, the trailer we saw during this movie was that was a different ba- Spider-Man trailer, wasn't it? No, I've never seen that one. You sure? Yes. Hmm. That's what I said to you, and then you're like, "What?" And I was like, "Nothing, mine." I've seen that trailer. I don't know if I have. When he's when the, when he puts his mask on, he's like badass. I've never seen. I don't see. I don't remember that part. I remember the one. Like I remember him being on that plane and whatnot. But I feel like there was a little bit of differences in this trailer. There might have been. I don't. I don't. I, I've I've seen a trailer where he said, "Can he put it on?" But I don't remember seeing him actually wearing it. Right. That was the first time I ever. Maybe I missed that part. I don't know. I'm not sure. We'll find out. Regardless, it was cool to see in 3D. I don't want to watch it all right now. I have to watch no, it. we don't have to. Uh, it was just a uh, thing. Oh, this is something we might want to bring up for later. 
cool whipping. Yeah, there's nothing here in Marvel. Nothing much. All right. Well, then, I guess we're getting into the meat of the episode. Hope you're ready. It'll be here any minute. Is that a rifle? You don't know what a rifle looks like? It's just swords were your thing and guns were mine. But I guess we're both doing guns now. I just didn't know that. Well, that's intense. I see it within you. Fear. Jealousy. Betrayal. It is our duty to cleanse the universe of this weakness. You know, they told me you people were conceited douchebags. But that isn't true at all. Dude, uh, I'm using my wrong eye. Drew, put your seatbelt on. <laughs> so we're saving the galaxy again? Yep. Awesome. We're really going to be able to jack up our prices for two-time galaxy savers. Yes! thing you're searching for your whole life it's right there by your side all along you're right all you do is yell at each other you are not friends no we're family except maybe her After all these years, I've found you. And who the hell are you? I'm your dad, Peter. All right, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, directed by James Motherfucking Gunn. All right. That's uh, how he should be referred to forever. James Motherfucking Gunn? Hell yeah. Did, he, did he direct the first gun. one too? Yes, sir. Then he fucking deserves He will be, if everything goes good... He will be the first director in Marvel Cinematic History to direct a trilogy. Well, good. He does. He, the first two were fantastic. He did. Whedon did the first two Avengers. He better do the Favreau first. Favreau did the first two Iron Men, and then you'll get you'll get you'll get three movies out of the uh, uh, the brothers that are doing like they did Civil War. They did Winter Soldier, and they're doing Infinity War. Right. But that's you can't count it as a trilogy because they're not in the same Right, whatever, but still. But, but Either yeah, way. James Gunn will be the first Well good because he fucking And yes, yeah, so very much well deserved. Now right here at the top here you want to <coughs> click this link with me. We can read it together if you want. Uh, how do I open another page? I'm not sure or just, just automatically. Can you do not, it? Yeah, you should just be able to click it. I wasn't sure if it would trade take me out of this page. Oh no. Is that good? That's good, yeah. That's really good. That's not the best, is it? No. No, that's not the best, but it's strong. It's worldwide. It's really strong. Yeah. 
So, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2's domestic total as of May 7th, so two days out in theaters over opening weekend, it's made 146000 146,510,104 domestically. Foreign, it's made 285038242 Totaling in worldwide... 431,548,346. So, yes. So, at, at, by the end of this week, it will be at over $500 million. Right. Which is pretty fucking good. What is Avatar at total? Uh, well, we're going to find out right now. I can never remember. Those, those numbers are hard for me to remember. Production budget, $200 million, So, they've already doubled their budget. Worldwide, Avatar is at two, over two, almost three billion dollars. Three billion, two billion seven hundred eighty-seven million nine hundred sixty-five thousand eighty-seven dollars. Like the whole time it was in theaters. Yeah, worldwide. Wow, that's obnoxious. That's crazy to me, man. I mean, opening. <laughs> I mean, it's domestic alone is almost a billion dollars. That's what I was gonna say. I was like, I was. Has any movie reached a billion dollars before? And you're telling me this one's almost three goddamn billion? Jesus. Yeah. That's going to be hard I mean, to touch, man. See, and that's weird because that wasn't like a a movie like that everybody knows about, like Iron Man. It was just a random-ass movie they came out with. Right. I don't know if there was anything. I mean, yeah. Star Wars. Force Awakens is a billion domestic. Almost a billion domestic. It, it's two billion it's worldwide. $2 billion worldwide. Mm-hmm. Either way, they've already doubled their budget, so... Oh, by far. That's crazy to me, because Avatar had to have done well over their budget. Dude, even Rogue One did fucking good, too. Rogue, I mean, Rogue... The Guardians will do as well as Rogue One by the end of a this... Billion. By the end of this month, at least. Yeah. But worldwide, they're at a billion. Crazy, For dude. Rogue One. It's fucking crazy. $200 million was the production budget for Rogue One. And they made a billion. $800 million profit. <laughs> <laughs> they can just fucking they could like it's amazing to me like imagine what the profit of for, for Avatar was like let's say that was 200 million they 2 billion dollar profit like yeah. if not more so why is it so long for them to create the next movie man they should be able to do that shit in 3 days with that kind of money uh, dude yeah I mean now, now they're fucking like when you search Avatar look what comes up god damn it Avatar 2, 3, 4, 5. Yeah, but... Like, they're all in production. Oh, so, so between the first and the second one will probably be a long time, but they won't be a quite that long. There's no production budget information available for... I want to know. Oh, well. But, yeah, it was... It was a good-ass movie, so I can understand. Well, Avatar was okay. $237 million it took for Avatar. Interesting. That's a lot. That's a two hundred two billion eight hundred million dollar profit. It's <laughs> crazy. Okay, moving on then. Uh, this movie came out May fifth, twenty seventeen. Now, as usual, when we do movies, we're going to we're going to sp- not spoil it until the very end of our thing here. So we're going to talk a little well, like bit. Saying, of, saying the very end makes it seem like towards like it's going to be pretty soon. Well, yeah, yeah. We're for the next like couple minutes here we're going to give you a spoiler free plot um the cast. and do well we can't do all of the cast i guess maybe some of it why i guess you could if it doesn't mention 
because yeah. I don't know. We can well, do. This guy I mean, I guess. I mean, yeah, we could save our very last one. Yeah. Because everybody else, it's not like it ruins anything. Right. That one, though, maybe. I didn't expect him to be in this movie. Yeah. Did we see him in a trailer at all? No. I didn't think so. All right. As we said, directed by James Gunn, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I just want to say, first off, it was fucking amazing. We saw it in Big D 3D yeah. at the Altoona Movie Theater. And Fuck it was yeah, dude. This movie... So crisp and clear, and the 3D was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's a, a million things that went through my head during this movie, and uh, I can honestly say, without being too cliche, that I laughed, I cried, I I had a fucking great ass time. Yeah, it was a good movie all around. Definitely worth the money. Sixteen dollars a ticket. Yeah, worth it. Totally. I would pay again. I would go see this movie again. Yeah, and I, I had a thought come through my head as I'm watching it. Like I'm like, this might be the best movie of the year so far. And I'm like, maybe not. And then I was like, yeah, maybe it is because like Logan that, was good too, though. Like I can't even choose one, man. Yeah, it's tough. Logan was really good, but I don't know, man. This movie was so every, it's a so, different kind of good. So though. colorful. Yeah. Well, so well, that's because they're in space. You can't not. You can't. Not, oh, I know. It's just you can't it was compare just, that aspect. Just lo- I'm not trying to compare them necessarily. I just this movie was just cool. Like, yeah. Not that Logan wasn't. It's just yeah. You're right. They're very different. He's in a space battles. Of course, it's going to be more like show it flashy <laughs> than Logan driving around in a pickup truck and killing motherfuckers brutally. It's something about like this movie. It taking place so much in space. You don't and and Star Wars does too, but you don't see like colorful galaxies like they like. Oh yeah, they, it's vibrant. Very vibrant. I love it. They don't have that kind of stuff in Star Wars all the time. It's always yeah. just black. Yeah, like at one point during this movie, it just showed like a like a big ass green or blue planet, and it just looked so fucking amazing. Yeah, like, it's crazy. So real. So crazy, but <clears throat> so yeah. So the intro, the intro slash spoiler free <laughs> plot of this little segment here. Go ahead and read it. Uh, um, you want to do it? Sure. Uh, Peter Quill and his fellow Guardians are hired by a powerful alien race. Peter Quill being Star, 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 uh, Star Lord, the Sovereign, to protect their precious batteries from invaders. When it is discovered that Rocket has stolen the items, they were sent to guard. The Sovereign dispatched their armada to search for vengeance. As the Guardians try to escape, the mystery of Peter's parentage comes to light. Now. I do have one problem with the movie, though. Like, it was good. It was awesome. But the only reason any of this happened, this crazy shit, this amazingly insane stuff, was because Rocket stole some fucking batteries. <laughs> like, that's yeah. the only way they could have plot progression. Like, I'm just going to have him steal batteries, and then this is going to cause death. <laughs> <laughs> and just fucking... I'll literally travel you to the end of the universe for these batteries. Like, yeah. This seems kind of... It seems ridiculous. It's like a weird... It's the plot's very basic, and the very it's like basic. a very tense vengeance tale of a kid in a candy shop and a cop that's like, "I'm fucking taking you down, son." Or, or yeah, it's ridiculous to me. Like, it, it was good. The mo- everything around all that shit was fantastic. It just the plot is dry to me. Like, there was not really any mm-hmm. reason for any of it. It's just a MacGuffin, like, uh, yeah, you know what I mean, like a thing. It's we'll like, um, it's it's the same thing as the. Except they're not as valuable, but they, it's the same thing as chasing after the Infinity Zone. They just didn't have an Infinity Zone to chase after in this movie, so it's 
yeah, I'll I had to find something to, to to do. I guess. It's just weird to me. I agree with you. I it's it, the plot is super basic, but it has to be something. I guess it's the same yeah. reason that that when we're watching Flash and we're like, oh, too bad, you know, we, Barry Allen should be able to catch up to Caitlin on a fucking yeah ice thing. You know what I mean? If it, if he if he did, there would be no show. Like it would he just almost if he caught everybody as fast as he actually supposed to be able to move. <laughs> The show would be fucking <laughs> ten minutes long. <laughs> episode be like, hey, there's a bad guy. He's done. Yeah, like <laughs> that's just that's the only reason that they're there. But want to see me run to that mountain over there and back? <laughs> want to see me do it <laughs> again? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all right, so the cast of this movie very much the same as last time. Uh, Chris Pratt, the great Chris Pratt. I loved him in this movie. He um, actually played Drax the Destroyer, and Dave Bautista played Star Lord <laughs> in this movie. They switched the role. <laughs> it was oh, interesting. Dude. I liked that change. <laughs> You're gonna fuck people oh. up. <laughs> like, fuck. Be like the very first time, the very first awesome power movie I ever watched was Goldmember. I love that movie. All right, but I was so pissed when I first turned it on because you get that stupid fucking uh, oh Tom Cruise Tom Cruise thing, and I was like, what the fuck? Like uh, the 11 year old of me was like, God damn it! I fucking hope this movie's not like that. <laughs> I was furious, dude. And then Kevin Spacey shows up as Dr. Evil and Danny DeVito as Mini-Me. And I was like, fuck! <laughs> That's not having it, dude. And then later it gets revealed. And I was like, I can't, I'm glad that I sat through it long enough to fucking realize. Yeah. So. Interesting. That would be. that would be, You're giving that people that. Our listeners that kind of thought going into this. Like, fuck! Fucking David Tista, how could he be Star Lord? I don't understand. People are like, people like turn the podcast off by this point. And like, they're not listening to what I'm saying right now. So they're just like, really? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! I didn't know. There's no way that didn't. It wasn't like that in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> they change. It's reshoots. All right. Anyway, the real cast is as is. DJ will tell you. Uh, Chris Pratt as Peter Quill slash Star Lord. Mm. Zoe Saldana as Gamora. I always love watching him like this movie because when he has his shirt off, he has like a six pack and he's ripped. And then I watch fucking Parks and Rec and he's just a fat tub of lard. <laughs> <laughs> like I want to go. I want his workout program, dude. I think they posted it somewhere. You can get it. Do everything he did. Um, Dave Batista as Drax the Destroyer. Yeah. Uh, Vin Diesel as Baby Groot. Yeah, like they didn't alter his voice. Anybody could do that. Pisses me off, dude. I could do that. Everything he did aggravates <laughs> me. Uh, Bradley Crook, Bradley Cooper, Bradley as Cooper as Rocket, as Rocket Raccoon. Uh, Michael Rooker as Yondu Undanta. I did not know that was his last name. I love how it says Bradley Cooper as Rocket, parentheses voice. Really? <laughs> you really need to tell me that. I was I'm not, I was like, get, get out of the movie and be like, oh, so he didn't actually play him. <laughs> it's pretty apparent. Well, yeah, but you got this guy who did. Sean Gunn. He played Rocket's body. He mo-capped it. Yeah, but... <laughs> I know what you're saying. Um, Karen Gillan as Nebula. I think Nebula's fucking hot, dude. An adopted daughter of Thanos who was raised with Gamora as siblings. So, it's uh, so interesting about Nebula. She was on the first one. She was that bald fucking robot bitch. Yes. And she had practical effects on her face. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Like makeup. Yeah, actual fucking makeup. It's nice. Uh, Palm Clementif as Mantis. Mantis? Mantis. Mm. Tell me you don't remember Mantis. Unless, wait. 
I mean, she had a huge fucking role in the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> duh. <laughs> the ugly bitch. According to Drax, yes. Yeah. I think she's sexy. I can't. I, I, that character completely escaped my memory. <laughs> uh, Elizabeth Debicki as Aisha, and she was the gold bitch. Yeah, I knew that. Um, I did not know that. <laughs> Chris Sullivan as Taserface. And Scrotum Hat. <laughs> I'm supposed to say Scrotum Hat. <laughs> It's typo. It says Scortum Hat. But in the movie, Rocket calls him Scrotum Hat. Um, Sean Gunn as Kraglin. Additionally, Sean Gunn plays the body of Rocket Raccoon as well as Yondu's right-hand man. This this guy reminds me like of one of those fucking idiot pirates on Pirates of the Caribbean. I agree. Like he just feels. I feel like you could just put him in that movie with some pirate clothes on, and he'd be perfect. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that. Yeah, that's just the kind of character he was. <laughs> <coughs> so which one of these last two was the one? The very last one. Okay, yeah. So and oh, oh, but these both of these. Okay, so yeah. So the last two here are spoilers. Now, uh, the one of them did appear in a trailer. I'm remembering it appeared in the very last one, so it's not necessarily a huge spoiler, but yeah. Oh, well then, didn't say it. So That's what I was and that was oh, was it? I thought I didn't know which oh, one. one. Doesn't matter. He's in the fucking. <laughs> But yeah, Kurt Russell did appear in one of the one trailers as, and he appears and says, I'm your father, Peter. But we don't know his character name until the movie, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. But overall, it's time for the recommendation and rating. Um, I recommend out of, it. <laughs> <laughs> we recommend this. Rating out of 10. I think I'd give it a nine. Nine? Yeah, I can't give it a perfect score because of the. Pro- I have an issue with the whole plot thing, but right. Other than that, I can't think. The special effects were amazing. The characters played their roles fantastically. Like the action was awesome. Like everything was fantastic about the movie. Just that was the only thing. That's literally basic my, plot. <clears throat> but that's such a huge part of the movie. Like you know, it, you know, I have. It's worth the whole point. Right. To me. Oh, I agree. I agree. I agree completely. And that is that. I have a problem with the same thing. I was going to give it a nine as well in that one. And then additionally, the thing I was talking to you about earlier, and it just has to do with the fucking Vin Diesel. Like, yeah. that pisses me off. It's so stupid. <coughs> the amount like, of money he's making off of this. The amount of money he's making off of it. He got fourth billing. Bradley Cooper did a much larger role. Yeah. And got fifth billing, which is fucking stupid. Vin Diesel said, I am group maybe 12 times. Yeah, and you then they didn't even, and then change his voice. Like I could do that, and they could change my voice to sound almost exactly like that, probably. Exactly, and I'm sure that you would be willing to take at least even even a quarter. I'll of take what ten percent of what he means. You know what I mean? So it just it's just stupid. But that doesn't uh, it's not it doesn't make the movie any less entertaining. No, it's just dumb. <laughs> but that so yeah, I agree with the nine out of ten as well. So that means that is the end of the spoiler-free section of this podcast. If you want to keep listening, then listen at your own risk. We're not at fault for spoiling the movie for you. However, you should go watch the movie as soon as possible. Fantastic. Come back, listen (laughs) to the rest of this podcast, and share it with all your buddies that have already heard it. I guess we kind of did spoiler with the battery thing, but whatever. That's not horrible. Yeah. We're about to get way more detailed in the plot. Yeah. <coughs> All right. I'll start it. It's 
2014, Peter Quill, Gamora, Drax, Rocket, and Baby Groot are re- renowned as the Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think they even called themselves... Somebody... Who called them that in the first one? <sighs> was it Yondu? It was either Yondu or that other, or guy. That other guy. I can't remember. Oh, he's like, like you said, because like, yeah, it was that guy, the bad guy from the first one. I can't mm-hmm. remember his name. I should mention that I found out since that this movie takes place three months after the first one. Well, that's not that far. Yeah, because somebody was trying, somebody out there was trying to pull a plot hole, the plot hole card on this movie, which I thought was so far fucking reaching that they were just, they were, if you're trying to find something bad with this movie, then that, then that's just. Wait, what plot hole? It's a plot hole involving the. Well, I mean, we'll get to that. When we get to that. When we get to part, it, I'll, talk, say, I'll tell you. Don't forget. I'll try to, I, don't, I don't know when it is, so you're going to have to remember. Okay. But uh, and then uh, Aisha, leader of the sovereign race, who has them hired for—I think they're—they're they're not like bounty hunters, but I think they're like for hire, apparently. Yeah. They just do things for the fucking galaxy if needed be. For the money, yeah. So uh, Aisha, the leader of the sovereign race, has the guardians protect valuable batteries from an interdimensional monster in exchange for Gamora's estranged sister Nebula. Um, what were they doing? What? How did the movie open? Exactly. The movie opened with. In Missouri, with it showed him as a young boy. Yeah, oh, it showed it showed his parents. Yes, with a very young Kurt Russell, which Aaron Dwyer told me that that was practical makeup. Yeah, just made him look young. And I was like, holy! I read something about that that his none of it was CGI or anything. That's crazy. They did a pretty good job. Well, why the fuck aren't they doing that to people? Like instead of like. The other shit they're doing, like with young Tony Stark and stuff, like I mean, because people have problems with that. It just depends how young you're going, man. If they if they were showing him in his teenage years, I guarantee they'd have. Like in, in well, yeah, Iron, in Iron Man, Tony Stark was showing his fucking twenty year old self, not his fucking. Yeah, that's true. You know, he wouldn't have looked much different because he's millions of years old. So it's funny because when when we watched Ant Man, like I never, I never, I thought that the Michael Douglas that played Hank, like old man Hank Pym, right? I thought that was old age makeup. Come to find out oh, that the yeah. young, because he appears young at the beginning of the film, right? Did not know that was CGI. Oh. Like I had no fucking clue. Huh. I gotta watch that movie again too. But see, but like I said though, like I think he he makes himself look like that in every planet he goes to, and he's millions. I think it's weird because he's millions of years old, but the thirty years between then and Star Lord meeting him, he has like gray hair all of a sudden. <laughs> it's like yeah. two million, two million and thirty years is where I start getting old. Like, <laughs> the fuck? Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> But anyway, so yeah, they hired the, now they're like, uh, so all the Guardians are like out on this platform waiting and like, they're like arguing or something. They were just talking and arguing because Rocket was trying to get some music set up and he goes, that's really not important right now. And, and then he's like, fucking Star Lord likes to dance or whatever. And he goes, he's like, nah, I'd have to agree with Drax on this one. It's not very important right now. He goes, really? Or whatever. Like, <laughs> you, seriously, you? Are you kidding me? So, uh. Uh, so yeah, so they are have to protect these batteries, these are whatever, these extremely powerful batteries of some sort. Um, and Nebula, who was a caught, so she yeah she was there trying to steal the batteries, and now they're trying to rescue her by doing a favor for these people. And how how the hell they knew this thing was coming through? I don't know if I ever got the answer to that. No, how did they just know this thing was going to come from another dimension to, to come, come and get these batteries? It's like it, he sent a letter ahead, like. <laughs> Like they, it wasn't even they, a regular person. It was a monster. Like somebody was like, "Yeah, this monster is coming they, from another they dimension." Did, the only the only context they did give that I remember is that they said that this monster specifically likes to feed on these batteries. Like, 
Yeah, but they knew the time and where and when. Like it's just yeah, it's pretty strange. This monster yeah. was cool as fuck, though, dude. Yeah, it was interesting. Impenetrable skin, and it had a fucking beam. It shot out like a rainbow hyper beam. Something like that, dude. It was, it was crazy. But yeah, so the scene just pretty great. Like the fucking portal in the sky opens up, the monster comes through, and then a battle ensues. But we get a uh, little group plugs in the the, cu- the cables, and the music starts playing, and it just you see little group dancing the entire time, just all these little weird little dances. <laughs> it's funny as shit. Oh, dude, it's great. Brilliant like, opening. Oh yeah, like, they, like the, it's, it reminded me of like Borderlands. I don't know if you ever played it. Just that kind of the the humor of it, and just yeah, watching the shit happen in the background, like it was funny. Yeah, it was it was very interesting, and it's it, they knew right away, you know, the way to steal the audience was by Baby Groot. Yeah, of course. Just dancing while fucking chaos is ensuing in the back. Oh, it was awesome, dude! Like it, and like they kept getting smacked really close to him, and like Drax was there and got like dragged away or something. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Gr- Groot's always punching Drax in the movie, dude. He's always like boom, 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 and Drax just like doesn't even. Do- yeah, he doesn't. Dude, shit. Drax is the highlight of this movie for oh, me. Yeah, man. He's he was funny. fucking hysterical, dude. I laughed harder at everything he said. <laughs> almost, yeah, almost every word that comes out of his mouth. So funny. But uh, so yeah, that that amazing scene happens. And uh, fucking no, Drax is like the skin is too thick. On I'm gonna go inside, and then like, th- and so he like j- dives into the mouth. It was an amazing fucking. The scene was hell yeah, like, dude. It looked so dope. Like he just like gets swallowed, and they're like, "What the hell?" He goes, <laughs> "He said the skin is too thick." He's like, "It's the same thickness from the inside." <laughs> like it'll be am- easier to damage the the stuff that's inside, but you still can't get out. If right, you can't get in. Right, and, and so, so yeah, he goes in there and fails. But well, he thought no. He was in there, fucking like it showed him inside the belly, just, oh, tar, 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 <laughs> just fucking going away, dude, covered in blood, and apparently he had a wound on his neck, and he told Gamora. So Gamora goes and slashes it open with the sword from like chin all the way down, and like fucking Drax, you see Drax's face squeeze out. <laughs> it was so <laughs> disgusting, and he's like, "Yeah, I did it. I have single-handedly defeated this monster." And <laughs> <laughs> but it was fucking Gamora the entire time. I love know? it. Oh, it was funny as shit. Um, so, but uh, yeah, so they're not. This summary here is not mentioning anything about what uh, Peter Quill's dad was doing on Earth. Yeah, yeah, like uh, it's it's going. Have you read the whole thing? Yeah. Well, no, we'll I haven't read all of we'll this. We'll bring it in on ourselves. That's what we're doing. They didn't mention it. The, the summary doesn't have anything about the fight in it, but we just talked about it. True. But I guess in that first scene, though, he has, like, this weird-looking flower thing growing. Maybe if you're a super comic book fan, you might have recognized it. I don't know if it's recognizable. I'm I, not sure. But it was a weird-looking flower, and he's like, yeah, you know, I'm planting this. And for some reason, he said, it's beautiful. I'll be able to plant hundreds more or something if it takes or something. I don't know. Something like that. I mean, like, it's probably recognizable to some. Some, like, super straw-hard straw fucking Guardians fan. Right. But yeah, and and he just plants it in the ground, and then it, and then then it goes into this monster monster scene. But it just shows, yeah, it shows uh, the meeting of, not really the meeting of them, but them in love, right? So they uh, so they kill the monster, and they go in and retrieve Nebula, their prize. After a little bit of w- interesting like sexual innuendos between Star Lord and. <laughs> She's like, we'd love to see how the the primordials do it, or however the fuck she fucking was talking <laughs> about people. And Gamora, you can see Gamora turning jealous, getting a little bit jealous. And as they're walking out, they don't. They, their attitude's kind of shitty. These they're really full of themselves. These fucking uh, sovereign race. They're all gold and like they're like, oh yeah, we we don't have birth. We breed our children from in, in like an incubation pod. And yeah. 
Like, we make them per- max intelligence and physicality and all this bullshit. And they weren't I mean, even that fantastic. They just Yeah, they're just like gold beings, and they're pussies, too. Yeah, they're, it's just weird, but... So, on the way out, he mentioned... He says something to fucking Dracula. Oh, I stole these fucking batteries and put them away, and they, they laugh They just laugh it. their asses off as they walk out. And so, I, see, I didn't even... I could never even guess, like, oh, this movie's gonna happen because of those. I was just like, oh, so he fucking stole the batteries. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, but they said it loud enough, like yeah, like right pa- right next to a guard. <laughs> but uh, the drones are destroyed by a mysterious. Oh, okay. So, um, as on their way out, they are attacked by the fleet, and so they're shooting them down. But the fleet isn't a fucking actual fleet; it's these robotic-controlled planes. They're not even actually in them. Yeah, so they're 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 two. They're such big pussies that they just fucking. They don't even put themselves in danger. Yeah, they have a humongous room. I mean, hey, if they have the fucking way to do that, then more power to them. Yeah. They could save their lives, and I would do it too. But, so, like, they, after quite a quite a battle and a little uh, journey through a meteor shower, meteor storm, whatever. In it, wait, what they say it was, quantum. Oh, yeah. Quantum uh, meteors or some they shit. They were, like, teleporting. Like yeah, it, dude, it was it, fucking crazy. They were like, like traveling a, through time. Yeah, they were just like it was like like there would be like a meteor here, and it would just teleport right over to here. And I'm like, holy shit! Yeah, dude, they were fucking intense. That's next level shit. Yeah, dude, I was like, holy fuck! And they were like red and blue, and like they're like aura around them. Oh, it's crazy. So they get, um, so uh, Star Lord and uh, Raccoon, Rocket Raccoon, are are fighting over captain ship, I suppose. Like, like oh, I can fly through this, and he's like, oh, I can fly through this. And like, only the greatest cop in the world can fly through this. He's like, yeah, that's why I'm doing it. And they like, both said it, and it's like, oh. So, like, they're uh, taking turns back and forth, kind of cause them to get damaged. And right when all seemed lost, they were getting shot up. All of a sudden, all of the all of the enemy ships just fucking vaporized. I was like, I, I didn't know what the fuck. I was like, what the fuck? What did they do? Like, yeah, it was fucking it was was really like, intense weaponry, whatever it was. And then everything went dead, and then the, there's just this man riding on this, looks like a big egg. Yep, just riding, riding on it like a fucking horse, dude. <laughs> and then <laughs> later, uh, what was it, Drax? Was it Drax or no? It was Rocket. It was Rocket. Goes, yeah. There's this little man flew by. He's like little man. He goes, yeah, it's about this big. He's like, well, I imagine if he was closer, he'd probably be bigger. But I was like, what? <laughs> uh. So they, I think, and so they, well, they end up crash landing on this planet. Yeah, it was a. They had to search for the nearest Earth or oxygen-based planet or something like that. Um, yeah, so they crash on the nearby planet. Uh, the figure reveals himself uh, as Quill's father. So, like, uh, after they're crash landed for a second, the guy lands down with them and he walks out and he tells him pretty much right. He's like, I was like, I am your father. <laughs> yeah, he right. said it in a different way. I think they did that on purpose. But he invites Quill, accompanied by Gamora and Drax, to his home planet while Rocket and Groot re- remain behind to repair the ship and guard Nebula. So, yeah, at this point, they say, you know, either Nebula's there. Oh, dude, that we can't forget, dude, that scene where when they were, like, crash landing and, like, there was that plane behind them, but their guns were out. So Drax ties himself to oh the my God, man. cable and just jumps the fuck out, dude. He's, like, trying to shoot him while he's getting, you know, as they're crashing, he's getting smashed through trees. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and then after all of that shit, he's just, like, laughing. Yeah, he's like, oh, that was awesome. He just went into orbit, got smashed. Like, how, t- how tough is this goddamn guy, dude? Dude, he is a fucking animal, man. Yeah, it's crazy. I love Drax. It's like some Hulk shit. I want an action figure of Drax, dude. He's yeah. fucking dope. He is awesome. He, that guy, that actor plays an amazing part. Like, oh, hell yeah. So, uh, yeah, so him and Baby Groot stay behind. and ter- he, he has this weird gun when he was repairing the ship. It wasn't like repairing it. It was, it was just like creating new 
You know, it was just like yeah. making it. It wasn't like repairing it. It was just he shot over it and it just was replaced. Right. I was like, what? Yeah, it's cool. fucking it crazy fun. technology, man. It's insane. So, meanwhile, Aisha hires Yondu Undanta. Udanta. Udanta. <laughs> I like mm. saying that. And his crew, who have been exiled from the greater Ravager community for child trafficking. Before that, though, we see so we see Yondu in the bar, and we see another weird, interesting uh, actor, big name actor, come out of nowhere for a very small role in this movie. Oh yeah, are you talking about? Yes. Well, they're in they're in the bar, and somebody says somebody out here needs to talk to you, or somebody's here, or something. We can't forget we can't forget the uh, the other appearance of uh, Howard the Duck in this movie. Yeah, right in the beginning, just sitting there, just chilling. He was saying something. He was just chatting. Yeah, he's like, once you go duck, you're out of luck, or something. Yeah, like some weird said. shit like that. But. So yeah, the Yondu gets called out, and Sylvester Stallone was the car in this movie, who apparently was a, one of the original Guardians of the Galaxy. That's what I had, that's what I learned. Um, yeah, so he has a very very small role in this movie, which is crazy. Did the, the, that they had that kind of because he probably wasn't cheap. Well, towards the end, they make it seem like they're gonna make they're gonna be bigger parts. Yeah, for sure. Time. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they're they are. There, Yondu's hired um, to recapture the Guardians, um, and they capture Rocket. She like shows up, like that gold woman, just and it just all it just shows him like walking down the snow, while these other people are like laying down on like a unrolling a, a blue, yeah dude. sheet, and like they get like the snow on it and it gets stuck and whatever. And she's like, hey, it's a very awkward scene. It's, it's very that would be miserable to to be her follower. Um, so they capture Rocket. But when Yondu shows reluctance to turn over Quill, so yeah, so when they're on that planet, they go to that planet. Yeah, we they gotta find talk him. about the fucking scene where hit Rocket and them were going going head to head. Oh, dude, it was crazy. Rocket had set all these fucking crazy booby traps all over the place. Oh and my god, dude, it was that, what was that very first one? I can't remember. Some crazy shit happened. I don't even remember the very first one that happened. I was like, oh my god, like, I was like, that is crazy. Was it? It was the uh, like arrows coming out of the trees. Yeah, I think so. They stepped on something and it just went. <laughs> they all bucked and got killed. And, and then there was the other one that was like, it was like anti gravity things where they would like. Those sh- were dope, dude. When they would sh- up in the air, like and they slam them back down multiple. Rockets like, yeah, dude. Rockets up in the trees, just fucking losing his mind. He loves it. Um, it was brutal as shit. And then and the electrocuting ones. Like, like everybody got, he would like, he was like running on their shoulders. Oh, yeah. Like poop, 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 something on them, and then they, he turned it on, and they all fucking got shocked. You can see their skulls and shit. Yeah, there. it reminded me of the uh, invasion crossover with the with Flash and Supergirl when they had to go around all the yeah all the aliens and put all the things on them. Right. It was crazy. Um, But yeah, the uh, after all this happens, uh, Yondu comes out, and he shows reluctance to turn over Quill. And they get surrounded. Yep. Um. Yeah, Rocket gets surrounded, and Yondu steps out, and he's like, you know, he's very hesitant on on Quill and Lieutenant. His Lieutenant Taserface leads a mutiny. Started actually by what's his fuck? That right hand man of his. Yeah, he said something. Craglin, and he caused all of this. Like he did. Because I gotta say, and he said something, and then everybody was like, yeah, and then. <laughs> Oh. Fucking Taserface steps in, <coughs> and then Nebula, who escaped from the ship, who was handcuffed, escapes from the ship to come out and basically helps him out. She shoots his fucking head thing off. Like, she does. Oh that, yeah, that controls the arrow. Like, um, 
So Taserface imprisons Rocket and Yondu aboard Yondu's ship and executes his loyalists while Nebula leaves to track down. That was brutal, dude. Yeah. See, like, just, like, they just like put him in this room and then they're like, they're like laughing at him, waving at him by and they just open the thing and he just goes and freezes. Like, and just, yeah, dude. Ah, it was, it, it was fucking crazy. I, I believe I, I also heard somewhere that James Gunn took special special knowledge like to learn how mo- how long it would in, in fact take you to die in space like for real. So that was pretty it was so it was rather so it was accurate. as accurate as he could possibly get. That's cool. Because then you know what I mean there's a scene later where it mattered and that that they used this scene to kind of preface that. Right, yeah, true. Um so that's pretty interesting. Uh, I'm losing my spot here. So Nebula leaves to track down Gamora, who she blames for all the torture inflicted on her by her father Thanos, which was pretty fucking brutal to learn about too. You remember? Yeah, he like took out her brain. And- well, he, she, uh, she made her and Gamora fight each other. Yeah. And every time she lost, he would replace a part of her body with cybernetic. Yeah, even so, down to her fucking brain, yes. dude. That's crazy. Thanos is crazy. How would he? Do, how would he? How did he manage to do that and keep her same consciousness? I don't. Who knows, man? That's insane. Who's man. Thanos? I mean, I, I can't blame Nebula for being so fucked up. I hate when they say off. Thanos. I don't know why. I like Thanos. Like, that's how I say it. I don't know. That's how I've always thought. Well, in the movie too, they say Thanos. Yeah, I know. They say it like the, the short A, Thanos, instead of Thanos. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Um. So while imprisoned, Rocket and Yondu bond. Um, so Man, yeah, like, there's like a, there's a scene here where Rocket gives Taserface shit for his name, and it's <coughs> so funny. Yeah, he's like Taserface. He goes, "What? Are you? I can see you looking in the mirror like, yeah, I'm gonna say Taserface and buy a scrotum hat." I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> well, then also like whenever they're like, "Should we kill the tree or whatever?" He goes, "Oh no, that's too damn cute," or whatever he said. Yeah, too cute to kill. Yeah, so like. And they, to- they so they, torture they the fuck- shit out of him. Yeah, they torture him, fuck him up a little bit, and poor, poor Groot. Dude, they are going to regret every. Oh, I guess they can't. Yeah, <laughs> but if when Groot's regular size. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, Yondu and Rocket bond. Groot together with Yondu's loyalist Kraglin, they uh, freeze Rocket and Yondu, and they destroy the ship and and the, it, its crew as they escape through. Not before Taserface tips off the Sovereign Fleet. So let's talk about this scene for a minute. This is the fucking <coughs> poetic as fuck, badass as fuck, arrow scene. Before that, though, this funny scene with oh, they were yeah. trying to they were trying to get little Groot to get him the, the certain thing, and he kept bringing the most. It's like that's a desk. That's like, a desk. He just wanted. He just like I just need you to bring me my prototype headpiece, and he kept bringing the most obscure shit. An entire desk. Like nobody woke up from that. And it was just so weird. I love when he gives him that little emblem and he puts it on his head. He's like, yeah. "It's not a hat. Why are you wearing his hat?" He goes, "I am Groot." <laughs> he's I am just Groot. like, "Oh, uh, he's 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 happy that it's not a hat." Oh yeah, <laughs> it was interesting, man. So that that was just funny. And then they finally got him out, like I said, with help of his right hand man. And uh, yes, and then they are free. He puts the it's he puts the thing on his head first, and it's like a big ass mohawk. No, it was like the other one was just a little kind of mohawk. This fucker was like a punk rock fucking. Apparently, that is Yondu's signature thing from like comics. Uh, yeah, I got, I, people were probably like, "That's fucking stupid." They didn't make him look right, and then now they're like, "All right, we'll fix that." And then right instead of him just having that, all of a sudden they just like click click click. Dude, this scene though, man. Yes, that holy fuck. That arrow thing is probably one of the most dangerous thing. I don't know. 
I don't know how any normal person could survive it. Like, I don't even know if, how Batman could get away from that thing. No, it is honestly, like I don't. Crazy. That's tough, dude. Like, cause that thing is it penetrates fucking like st- some fucking cement and shit. Like, yeah, right dude. through the wall, like nothing. Like, it was the crazy. fuck is that thing made out of? I don't know, man. But it was that scene, dude. I I dream about it, man. It was so fucking crazy. Oh, it was beautiful, dude. Cause it, the three D helped it a lot too. Cause like you you just saw like the streaks of the red light. And it was just like stick out of the screen, dude. It was, it was just, just awesome. insane, man. Like he probably, dude, he probably he murked like fucking uh, 180 guys. Yeah, they're just like walking around. And he's just like, <laughs> think it's beautiful. He's just whistling, and that thing just <laughs> people are like falling in slow motion as it's happening. Oh my god, dude! It's just insane, dude. Like I just can't believe that the, he has that kind of power at his fucking helm like that. It's, I, I, I love it, dude. I can't wait for this movie to come out on Blu-ray just so I can watch that again. Yeah, like, that would be hard for anybody, any fucking superhero I know. Like, maybe not Superman, but, like, that could hurt Wonder Woman. Uh, you know, her reaction times are awfully quick, but, I mean, like, that's just, that's a, that's good. I, that's, like, I could not see Batman dealing with that arrow. I don't I know either. how. It's crazy. So cool, dude. I love that scene. Only man. being, like, now, like, if Batman was watching it happen before or something you know like a typical superhero thing like he's oh like i see your awesome super weapon but i'm gonna learn how it works first and then i'm gonna but he he wouldn't yondu wouldn't give anybody that chance when he uses that arrow he's out to kill boom dead like yeah you know what i mean it's not like a fucking something that you're just gonna learn real quick if he's choosing to kill you with the arrow it's just gonna happen you're never gonna see it coming like, yeah that's yeah insanity. dude i don't know man i just love that scene spider-man could probably deal with it with his spider senses yeah like Flash probably outrun it. He'd kill most of the people in Gotham. Oh, yeah, dude. All dude, the supervillains. It would take Yondu like half, like an hour to kill like a whole city of people. With yeah, yeah. Like, no, if no that. time at all, man. That thing is that badass. I just love it, dude. So cool. All right. Yeah, this, uh, yeah so that scene, like, I know we've been dragging on about that scene, but it was fucking, it was <laughs> very aesthetically pleasing, like. Like when it when that when like it hit all the lights out, choo, 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 choo. and then it was just like the red streak flying around, killing people. Like, yeah, man. Because it was in the dark, so you could see it was way more vibrant and outstanding, and it was oh, I love it. It's fantastic. Let's see here. Oh yeah, so Taserface right before the end of right before he dies, he tips off the fleet. What a cocksucker! He could have just died, but no. I guess he had to get a revenge somehow. Yep. But um, so back on. The, the ship, uh, ego explains that he is a godlike celestial. Now that see that yeah, but that's after they get back to the planet, right? It's when yeah, Peter leaves. Yeah, but I want the scene on the on the ship was funny enough to mention real quick when we first meet Mantis, and she does that thing where she can sense somebody's feelings. Oh yeah, and dude. And then she's like, "You love her or whatever," and he goes, "No, I don't." <laughs> and then Drax's like, "Ah, oh, dark. You do me, do me." And, <laughs> And then I don't remember what exactly what happened, but well, no, she like puts her hand on him, and then they both just crack oh, the fuck yeah. up laughing, like yeah, that's funny, so funny. And then like she like does this, she says she puts him to sleep, the guy, and then so Drax yeah. is like put me. To, did he say put me? Didn't he? She put him to sleep too. Yes. He just like oh. he's like that sounds great. <laughs> so yeah, she was she was interesting. You know, she she is a empath. She understands people's feelings, and then she can also control them feelings. Right. Which is cool. But uh, and then they get to the planet, and it's just beautiful looking, man. Like when he gets, when they get, then they go oh, into yeah. the orbit, and then like, 
when he pulls up to the wall or to the the balcony thing, and then the, thing, the stuff just fuses itself together, like it makes a, st- a staircase thing, like a like a walkway. Yeah, really cool. Great special effects. So uh, him, he takes Star Lord. Uh, they takes them all like into this room. He walks in, and then he explains that he is a godlike celestial. He just was kind of like he was like intelligence floating around space, just like a consciousness. Yep. And he got so smart that he was able to absorb like everything around him and he ended up becoming a planet and he became intelligent enough to create a person form of himself like uh, you know and that's very interesting oh yeah so he's like been mil- he's been alive for like millions of years it's a million uh, millennial consciousness that manipulated the matter around it to form the planet within itself at the core like it's like a big brain it's interesting uh, ego the name of star lord's father uh, eventually formed a human guise to travel to travel the universe and interact with other species to escape his loneliness and discover a purpose. So he thought he had to discover a purpose for life. You know what I mean? Like, they went into some detail, man. He goes, yeah, I even went down to, you know, I made myself just like a person. I gave myself the digestive system and all, you know, all that shit. Like, I was like, interesting. Like, that's the crazy kind of power, dude. Like, even a penis? Yeah, yeah. That, that, that Drax is like, even a penis? And, <laughs> and then they said something. And then they're like, we don't want to know about his penis. And, so, and then... And then uh, Ego was like, yeah, I made a penis. <laughs> I can't remember. Did he say like a pretty great one, too? I don't remember. I, I, I don't know why yeah. I'm thinking that. No, no, maybe a pretty average one. I don't remember. Or something like the humble one. Um, so, yeah, interact with other species, loneliness, discover the purpose, eventually meeting and falling in love, quotation marks, with Quill's mother, Meredith. Um, and he left. You know, there's a little scene where she's like, oh, I never thought I'd be dating a spaceman or whatever. And, um... Upon her death, she had cancer. Uh, Ego hired Yondu to collect young Quill after Meredith's death. But the boy was never delivered, and Ego had been searching for his son ever since. Now you're saying, we learn a little bit later some more stuff, but Yondu could say, well, because you were small and you could fit into places because they were like thieves. Yeah. And shit, so it was, you know, and that comes back to like a little bit later, but... um. So Yondu raised him as his own, pretty much, you know, on that ship. That's where he came from. That's how he learned everything he knows. Um, uh, he teaches Quill to manipulate their celestial power since they are on that planet. You know, he has, you know, he, he has access to the power, and he like makes this energy ball. Yep. And they like play catch with it. Interesting, because I meant earlier, Starlord was mentioning he's like I never got to play catch with my father, and while all the other kids were playing catch with their fathers, and, and they fucking played catch with energy, like it was so cool. Like, oh hell yeah, it was awesome. So ultimately, being that Star Lord is half celestial of sorts, apparently he's a god. <laughs> Who wouldn't have known? Yeah, right. And he's immortal. Yeah, and he's like, I'm immortal. He goes, Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, I don't know what to do with this information. He's like, I, I thought meeting my, you know, you meet your father and you don't expect to be told you're a god. Like, right? The fuck. So I love it whenever he tells him, like, that you can, he's like, you can make whatever you want in this planet. And he's like, I'm going to make some weird shit. He's like, I'm going to make a big-ass Pac-Man. <laughs> I'm going to make some weird-ass shit. Like, it is this, I love his... I love fucking... What's his face? Chris dude. Pratt, Chris dude. Pratt's awesome. Yeah, dude. His inner Andy Dwyer came out. And he was just like, I'm going to make some weird shit. Man. Yeah, I love like, it, dude. I love it. But, uh... So, uh... You know, they do a little bit of staying. And we see a little bit more interaction between Mantis and Drax. Um, He, he calls her hideous. Because you're hideous. And he goes... He goes, oh, but you're lucky. He goes, that because that means that somebody loves you, and they love you for who you actually are, or something. And right. He was talking about his wife and stuff, but I think he he likes hideous. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's not, uh, not horribly a, con- a bad thing, but like he's very he like 
she, and then like, Gamora walks out and he goes but right as Gamora walks out she says Drax I need to tell you something and then like, Gamora kind of blunts in and uh, then she goes oh no you're beautiful and then she and then Drax is like no she isn't <laughs> I mean, have you even seen her <laughs> yeah it's as funny as shit dude how about whenever she like wakes him up and he like he like oh! <laughs> he gets really scared and he starts like puking <laughs> he's like oh you're so hideous like <laughs> he's like I can't stop thinking about you wanting to be with me like, <laughs> it was weird man <laughs> like he's like it's fucking weird man I love it though but it's so funny Drax dude so uh so Gamora picks up on this that thing that she said she had to tell her something and she's like I think she goes to Star Wars and says I don't know if this is like kosher <laughs> like, and then he gets kind of defensive saying like oh you're the one that wanted me to come here and meet my father and now she's kind of apprehensive about it now he's all not apprehensive about it right uh, so Gamora goes. I don't know what she was doing. I think she was just looking around, or something. Yeah. She's standing like in the inside of this cavern, and all of a sudden, this fucking ship just comes out of nowhere and starts like shooting at her. Boom, boom, boom. Oh no, she was just sitting out in the field. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, either way, she was sitting somewhere, and then I don't kind of like on the mountains, I guess, because she ended up in this crazy place. Yeah. But like, she, she gets her sister just shows up, and starts fucking firing on her ass like in a spaceship, and Gamora's like running away and a pretty pretty awesome fucking escape. Uh, thing she did there, but um, and they end up crash. She like fucking Gamora sitting inside this cave, and uh, she shows up and she starts running away, and this bitch just crashes her right the fuck in there, dude. Like I felt like dude, she was like Nebula. Don't give a fuck. That's something I'd do like on Halo against aliens. Like if I if I have to land there and like you know whatever, I just walk, walk, walk boom. I yeah. just crash the shit out of do my fucking shit. My banshee wings break off and shit, <laughs> and then like and then fucking so she crashes in there, boom, and fucking. Uh, a gun flies off, a gun from the ship, and fucking Gamora just walks over there, picks it, fucking shoulders that big fucking bitch. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah, it was a. I missed that. It was a machine gun. I was like, plane. oh, how convenient! A fucking giant machine gun in the yeah. cavern. <laughs> I didn't realize that it came off the ship. Yeah, it was one of the gun machines. <laughs> That's so funny, dude. Because the whole time I was like, what the fuck would that gun be in there? <laughs> no, I missed yeah. that. But yeah, so I was she, farting like a thousand times uh, in the theater. I was, I was in pain. But she picks it up, dude, and just fucking shoulders it and just do 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 do. Dude, that was crazy. Gamora oh is fucking strong. Yeah, didn't yeah, realize how strong she was. She's Thanos' daughter. Like, I expect her to be. That's crazy. Yeah, she picks that up and fucking goes ham. Boom, dude! It was crazy. That's so funny, dude. And I never noticed that gun falling off that shit. So like, they go in there and uh, she does that, and I think she goes and like, gets her out of there. But then like she uh, proceeds to keep fighting her. <laughs> Nebula does. Yeah, and then uh, and then the fight stops. I can't remember exactly why, but uh, Nebula arrives to kill Gamora, but fails. And the pair reach an uneasy alliance when they discover some caverns filled with skeletal remains, like a fucking lot of them. Oh yeah, dude! Like that, it was a lot. It wasn't like a little bit. It was a crazy amount of it's skeletons. Yeah. It, like scary. Like it might as well have just been a fucking haunted house. So they rush back. Um. Eagle reveals to Quill that in his travels he planted seedlings upon thousands of worlds which can tr- terraform them into a new extension of, a, of himself. But they only can be activated by a combined power of two celestials. Um, to that end, he impregnated countless women and hired Yondu to collect children. To collect the children. Now, that go- like even he knew, he goes, oh, I knew it went against his code or whatever, and he got exiled, but I made it worth his while or whatever. Like, Yeah. But... Um, See, but he didn't, you know, and then so, huh. so when Yondu brought these children to him, Ego killed them all when they failed to access the celestial power. Ego forcefully, so 
you know, this leads to why Yondu never got rid of him. Yeah. Because he started learning about this and he just couldn't do it again. I guess. Right. Like, he had to have done that to, with so many kids before he caught on to what was happening. Could you wouldn't really know. He'd yeah. Just say, go get this kid. Okay. Right. Mm. I'm sure he got paid, yeah. Yeah. So it's like... It's like so it, you realize later that it w- he didn't do it just for the reason of him stealing things. He did it because, you know, he, he raised him. Like, that's right, it. yeah. And then yeah, Yondu basically said, like, in the movie, he's like, well, when I, you know, when he's in prison with Groot, he's like, when I found out what he was doing, like, I was kept Peter, like. Right. You know what I mean? So eventually he fucking found out what Ego was doing. And we're like, fuck that, dude. That's fucked up. Yondu's got a good heart, man. Yeah, he does. He, uh, we'll talk about that here in a minute, too, but, uh. Ego forcefully uses Quill to activate the seedlings, which begin to consume every world. Okay. So when they go to Earth, who? Well, when the when they oh, the yeah. camera goes to Earth and yeah. it's behind the Dairy Queen, yeah, and you see that big fucking thing come out. This is where they were trying to pull <coughs> that fucking plot hole out. That would be there after this long. No, no, no. That they were saying that since this movie took place. Technically, three months after the first one, places the movie in 2014. Now, the only thing I don't have is the, the exact, like, information in which they were trying to say. That, like, whatever movie it was in Marvel continuity during 2014, probably Winter Soldier, I'm, I'm assuming, or right right before Winter Soldier, that S.H.I.E.L.D., that it wasn't, they were saying, oh, so it wasn't on S.H.I.E.L.D.'s radar, and the Avengers were handling this minuscule fucking thing that was happening in Missouri that nobody had any information on. You know what I mean? Why like, would they know? That's what I'm saying. Like, why would S.H.I.E.L.D. even give a fuck about that when there's uh, the Winter Soldier shit is going on? Like, or then Even so, it was happening in this one city. I know. It eventually would have engulfed the Earth, but it was, didn't even make it that far. It was in this, this one city that's not New York or somewhere that's going to make, you know what I mean? Right. So and It was not that long. It didn't last that long. Right. So S.H.I.E.L.D. never would have... So they screen would have known that thing was screen rant post this fucking this is why clickbait is such fucking bullshit guys this is why you should never fucking listen to anything always follow the source back to the thing or just fucking be smart it's not a fucking plot hole and screen rant post this fucking thing on Facebook for everybody to see the fucking day after this movie comes out it says we found a big mistake and that's what their fucking reasoning was and I was like okay like that's stupid to me that's the most reaching fucking argument I've ever heard in my life you said they're like looking it's like they're looking for a reason yeah exactly like this movie was so good and you gotta fucking come out with a fucking bullshit ass reason to be like oh oh Peter Quill was eating a fucking chocolate chip cookie but it was really an oatmeal raisin cookie fuck this movie like this is dumb yeah it was pretty gay that's pretty gay, but I don't care what they have to say. I'm happy talking about this movie, so. <laughs> um, he forces Quill to uh, do this, and like I said, it, it's like this big, it's this cool-looking blue liquid. It just kind of consumes everything. Yeah, like, it's, it's just like a big, big big-ass blue cloud. It's nuts, dude. It's like, um, uh, but it like solid, solidifies, so it's not really a cloud. It's more like right. sludge. Yeah, like, cloud-like. Like a big-ass muck. Yep. It was cool, man. It was, but, so his his... It was happening all over the fucking world, dude. Like there was like in other cities, like in other planets, they showed like an alien family running away from it. Yeah, it was interesting. So ultimately, he was trying to do what Zod was trying to do. You know what's weird to me? The way he looked. Remember when he was showing the history of every planet he was at? Yeah. And it was showing the way he looked with that mullet kind of that hairstyle. He looked the same and every planet he went to. Yeah. Regardless if they didn't look like humans, he yeah. just looked like this human, like. 
That's weird. That is Unless weird. Unless he did look like that alien race, but with that same exact hair and clothes. Like, uh, yeah. I don't. That's weird. To think. <laughs> I don't know, dude. That technology was cool, though, man. Like, they looked like porcelain. Yeah, it was interesting. Very bizarre. But, um, yeah, so uh, Quill fights back after Ego reveals that he deliberately caused Meredith's death. He's like, I hated, because I did love her. I went and visited her a couple more times. He goes, I knew if I would have went back, I never would have left. And it really hurt me to put that tumor inside of her brain. And then he was like, Star-Lord was like, what? Yeah, dude, he got fucking pissed. Mm, so he fucking, like, shoots him up with his guns. Boom, 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 boom. And he, like, gets, like, obliterated. But, like, part of his body's still there. And it's, like, you can see it growing back, like, by the veins and by the muscles. And it was fucking amazing. Yeah, dude, it was really cool. Really interesting way. Really interesting take on, like, a celestial form like that. It was really cool. Some people were saying that Star-Lord witnessed eternity. Like, the, the character of eternity. The, you know the Marvel character that looks like oh, I can't remember. It's like a Doctor Strange thing. <coughs> okay. Um, that was what he was seeing. Oh, let's see. Oh yeah, because his eyes like glazed over. It was like it looked like space in his eyes. Yeah, that oh, was cool. Let's see. Where are you at the end of this one here? Yeah, I finished it. Okay. So egos. Ego's pet empath Mantis grows close to Drax and warns him um, Gamora Nebula's yeah <laughs> warns him Gamora and Nebula of Ego's plan uh, just as Rocket, Yondu, Groot, and Kraglin arrive. The reunited Guardians reach Ego's brain. Alright, so this is uh, So yeah, but like while really they're fast. fighting on the we're talking on the thing, like fucking Yondu crashes in and fucking smashes him. Yes. <coughs> and then, like, she's like, she's like warning them, like, we only have a certain amount, we have like two hours or, or something, whatever. Like, right. And then they, uh, when they're all in the ship, dude, and they're talking or whatever. And then, uh, I can't remember exactly in what context it was said, but Peter Quill, like, looks up and is just like, uh, he's like, it's pretty crazy when you find out that that guy's your father. And then he's like, up and he's just like, like outside the fucking yeah. ship. And they're like, holy fuck, dude. Yeah. Like, and he's just going fucking crazy, man. <laughs> Dude, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but whenever whenever uh, Yondu was going into the planet, that uh, Kurt Russell's face was on the planet. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, like it was inter- like you see, like it just looked like a regular planet, but it had like like a red patch over here was his eye. eye and yeah, it's like a little. Yeah, I, when I saw that, I was like, ooh, yeah, that's crazy. It was so. Apparently, cool in the comic books, he is ju- that is what ego is. Like he's never right. made himself into a, a form, a body form like that. <laughs> but you. What people come by and communicate with the planet himself. Huh. Yeah, I don't know much about that character. I don't know much about the Guardians of the Galaxy universe at all, really. But. Right. Um. All right. I totally lost. So, so he's a, yeah, Groot, Yondu, and Kraglin arrive, and all of them. And yeah. So the reunited Guardians. Uh. The, the their plan is to go down and to the core, which is where Ego's brain is, and um. They they want to kill it, um, but they have to fight the sovereign who have also arrived. Yeah, out of nowhere, just boom! So they showed up with a bunch of ships, dude. And then in a very colorful scene, when Kraglin was up there eating pudding or whatever, and he see he looks out and it's like, holy shit! Yeah, like all them fucking ships show up, and you're just like, god damn! They <coughs> all go on the ego planet, and so yeah. Well, they, yeah, so they all start to fight, and then that's when Rocket takes Groot for, with a little detonator, saying, "I need you. You're the only one that can fit." <laughs> Yep. Our fat asses can't. He's like, oh, this isn't a great idea. No. The whole button thing is like this one. He's like, no. He's like, I'm Groot. <laughs> what right. are you getting about this? I just showed you. <laughs> um, 
and yeah. So yeah, that fight scene too. That, all that battle was crazy. Yeah, the whole battle as it's as it's going on, and then dude, when fucking Star Lord fights. It, well, first of all, the uh, um, Mantis like has the. Oh yeah, and they're using the batteries as the bomb too. Yes, <coughs> uh, Mantis has to put uh, the whole planet to sleep. Like, yeah, she like grabs the vein core that looked like what was coming out of the yep. fucking ground. She tells him to sleep, and she has to hold it there for, which is crazy powerful, man. Yeah, to put a being like that large to sleep against his will, like you know what I mean. Like yeah. normally he's okay with it, so it's all right. But to do it against his wanting, like that's crazy. Yeah, that's pretty powerful, man. Um, so yeah, they had to put the stolen batteries on uh, Groot plants on Ego's brain while Quill battles with Ego. In his newfound celestial powers to allow the other guardians to escape. So yeah, this shit was crazy, man. He, they were fighting like fucking Superman versus Zod and Man of Steel, like yeah, flying after each other, punching, smashing into the wall. And he was like creating like rock on his fist. Yeah, like, dude, he's like boom, 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 boom. I was like, hell yeah, dude, uh, that was, <laughs> that was so awesome. But then like uh, Yondu was fighting, and then uh, he ended up breaking his arrow against the sovereign ships or something. Like oh, that, I was right? so disappointed when that happened. Yeah, they were like breaks and it hit down and. Uh, it's like no. Remember, dude. Remember when he, Peter turned himself into a Pac-Man? Yeah, dude. They were like, yeah, dude. <laughs> I don't remember what his dad was, but then he just turned into walk, walk, walk. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> like, that was insane. Yeah, dude, it was pretty fucking nuts. It was funny. Um, but yeah, that fight was dope, dude. And crazy then, fight. So let's see here. The well, then as he's like about the, he's like, you know, if you fucking finish me, you're ne- you're gonna lose your godlike powers too, because like that, if without that planet and the source, it's he doesn't. It won't yeah, exist. he wouldn't have it. So, but he doesn't care. He's already, he did. He just found out he's immortal. It's not like he's gonna give a shit. Like, yeah. Now, like, so the uh, basically what's going on is that they Craglin sends the dropship back down to uh, get everybody out of there, and then uh, Nebula and Gamora get on a rising rock as the planet starts to explode because Groot succeeds. Um, the 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 rock thing goes all the way up there uh, to the top. Drax has Mantis. Yeah. And how do they get up there? Who? Drax and Mantis. How do they get to the top? Star Lord, I think, put that thing on him. He's like, take him up, take her up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. got hurt, and so and then so he flew up to the. Yeah, he flew ship. up there, and then, um, all that's left on the oh, and then Rocket also flies up out of there with Groot. Well, it wasn't exploding yet. I think it was just the fight was causing all that, and then it didn't really start exploding. Until yeah, and then, I think Starler were still fighting. That's why he gave him that thing. Yeah. So then, then the bomb goes off, and then, um, all that's left down there is, well, it kills it kills Ego, in a crazy death. Yeah, but before the death happens, uh, Rocket goes to Yondu, and he's like, uh, "Just leave me one of those things or whatever." He goes, "That's something I got to do this." And then Rocket like leaves him the thing. Yeah. They only had one of each. He had one breather, one like space suit, and then one jet uh, pack. pack. Yeah. So uh, he took that, and then it kind of went away from him. And then, like I think, Rocket gathers Groot, and then they fly up, and then Star Lord. I can't remember exactly why he had to grab Star Lord. Well, this is a bomb explodes, killing Ego and causing the planet to disintegrate. Um, and then after Ego dies, like Yondu, Yondu was just down there with you know with they were the last two down there and. Groot goes or Rocket goes up to the ship and like they're getting ready to leave and everybody's like, "Where's Quill? We're not leaving without Quill." Oh well, well, when was the 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 Mary Poppins thing? 
That was way before this. We got to mention. Oh yeah, we have to mention. Yeah, it's uh, the name of our episode. I don't remember exactly when. Whenever it was that they went to go, they had to fly back down to some. It was. I think it was at Ego. Yeah, maybe it was like when they first crashed in and got and smashed Ego, and then somehow yeah. Rocket. Oh yeah, when were. they were on their way down to the core or something. Yeah, and they like he's like he like has the arrow and they're just walking down. He's like, you look like Mary Poppins. He goes, is he awesome <laughs> or something like that? Yeah. It's like, yeah, he's awesome. Like, hey, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> I love it. This is the best line in the movie, man. Hands down, that's so fucking funny. Yeah, we had to mention that part, but because uh, like the way he looked, because he was like holding the arrow up and like using the arrow to like, which is crazy, fly down dude. Slowly. That's crazy that he can use that thing to fly around. I mean, that's ultimately how Thor u- flies. He uses his hammer. Yeah, he pretty much just controls the hammer to do what it wants, but then he just holds on to it. Like, right? He's not actually flying; he's just holding on to his flying hammer. Right, dude. It makes me think of that scene in in Age of Ultron when Quicksilver's running. Real slow, and he sees Thor's hammer, and he's like coming through, and he just like <laughs> grabs it and fucking <coughs> takes off, dude. Yeah. I love it. So that's one of my favorite scenes mm-hmm. in that movie. But so yeah, I had to mention that part before we mentioned. This yeah, next I almost part. forgot about that. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. Um, I totally lost my spot. He says something about his being his true daddy. He goes, you know, I I had you. He's like, I raised you. Like, you know, he's like, yeah, he's calling said, he basically. I can't remember the line exactly, but it was something like, "Oh, you had two, you had." Uh, your stepfather and ego, you know, and, and your stepfather was your was your dad, and ego was your biological father. But neither of them were really your daddy, right? Um, which is sad, dude. Yeah, that was that scene what made me choke up a little bit. That was a sad scene, like a, a heartwarming scene. Um, yeah. So the the bomb explodes, uh, killing ego, causing the planet to disintegrate. Yondu then inevitably sacrifices himself to save Quill. So everybody's up in the ship wondering where Quill is. Yondu. Comes by, scoops Quill up, and off into space they go. You know what I mean? And then and then he slaps that breather on Quill. Yeah. And Quill quickly realizes what the fuck is happening. Yeah, because it was one one jetpack, one breather thing. So I started getting real upset, dude, when Rocket was just like, "I can only afford to, I can't afford to lose more than one friend today." Like, right? You know what I mean? After being a douchebag to Peter and and all that stuff, yeah. like, I was getting, I was like, "Fuck, dude, something's gonna happen," and then. Inevitably ends up in the in the death of Yondu. It was sad, dude. It was real sad. sad. Like he like freezes in the space, like a pretty much like what you said earlier about. Kind of use that as a preface for this. Yeah, and I had just uh, enough time for Yondu to get his hand up on Peter's face and get a smile out there. And dude, that would suck, dude. Their eyes like froze. Yeah, all that shit, man. I was like, fuck, dude. That made me so uncomfortable, man. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty realistic looking, I guess, as far. It'd be a fucked up way to die too, dude. Pretty, that pretty quick. Drowning and starving it'd, be, death. it'd be pretty quick though. It'd be in quick, comparison to drowning. Like, oh yeah. It would be. My, it it only it only takes seconds according like from when they were up there like, but uh, and then like the real part that was really crazy. All all these ships just started coming in. Boom, boom, boom. Because earlier in the movie, uh, Sylvester Stallone's character said, "You'll never get the." 31 light salute or whatever. The, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it yeah. was something like that. And then uh, they all show up. Everybody, all the Ravagers show up with their ships. Dude, and we're doing these crazy light shows with their thing. Yeah, it was like a fireworks display, man. Oh, was man. Crazy. But this is, uh, this is during the uh, the funeral for, for Yondu. <coughs> and they had like him in the... Dude, did you see that incinerator, dude? It was like colorful-ass flames and stuff. And made his ashes all like rainbow. Like particle out in the space. Yeah, it was so cool. But as soon as his assistant, dude, his uh his right hand man was like fucking like yeah I do like he was so happy. Dude, all oh, that was so sad. Yeah. Dude. I was like fuck. I had some tears in my eyes on that one, not gonna lie. 
Yeah, it was really it was really sad. That's laugh you laugh and you cry, all that stuff. Um Ravager ships they acknowledge yeah, they hold a funeral for Yondu, which is a ton attended by dozens of Ravager ships, acknowledging Yondu's sacrifice and accepting him again as a Ravager. Um so, so yeah. That's, and the movie just kinda ends right there, I think. Yeah, yeah, uh uh Rocket it zoom, zooms in on Rocket's face and then you see him shed a tear. And then it fades out, fades to black. It was, yeah, it was quite the interesting ending. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, and then so there were five post-credit scenes in this movie. Yes, and we're gonna talk about them. And it says here in a series of mid and post-credit scenes, Kraglin takes up Yondu's telekinetic arrow and control fin. So he was, he was kind of doing it. It was doing some stuff, <laughs> but then it, and, and it ends up fucking impla- impla- uh, impaling Drax. He's like, ah! Like, Drax screams for such a ridiculous amount of time. He's just like, ah! For like a minute, <laughs> it was funny. It's <laughs> so fucking funny. Um, Ravager leader Stakar Agord, inspired by Yondu's sacrifice, reunites with his ex-teammates. Um, this was what I was talking about. Is uh, that apparently they were the original Guardians of the Galaxy? It was like, oh, should we go out and do this again or something? Or we can? So they'll probably join the team. Something I don't know, but that guy that works with Sylvester Stallone's character that. He like looks like glass or ice or something. Yeah, he looks crazy, dude. Yeah, or dude. diamond, whatever the fuck he is, he's cool looking. Yeah, he's he's really cool looking. So uh, Groot Groot starts growing back to normal size, <laughs> exhibiting typical teenage behavior in the process. Like <laughs> I am Groot. <laughs> like he like walks in, like Star Lord like I gotta clean up this room. It's a mess. Like and he's like I am Groot. <laughs> like like just like being a little douche. <laughs> and then like but like Star Lord can uh, understand him at this point. I think because he was like saying he was like responding to what he yeah. was saying. I don't care about, about, about this. Like, oh, I am Groot. Like, <laughs> it's so this funny. This fucking genius, dude. I love it. I absolutely love it. I hope I hope they had in, never intended to do... Like, I hope it's an accident. Like When they killed Groot in the first movie, they were like, they probably never were intending to do whatever. And then like the next one, they're like, well, Groot was pretty fucking popular. Let's make him a baby and then just take him into a teenage years. And like, that'll sell well, We saw him as a Sproutling in the first movie. Yeah, I know. But like, dude, they just they just uh, they just announced the uh, Funko Pop of Teenage Groot. Hell yeah, you can get that. <laughs> he's got like fucking. I want every Groot. He's got like uh, like roots growing down over his like over the emo side, style? like emo style. It's so Interesting. funny, dude. I love it. <laughs> I want that. We need that. Maybe it'll we come. Need my, maybe it'll come in my loot crate. I don't know, man. We better fucking find that. Shit. My my it has a Guardians of the Galaxy item. I don't know what the, what it is, but. Mm, yeah, this is the the main after credit scene, I believe. Uh, Aisha. Aisha creates a new artificial being with whom she plans to destroy the Guardians, naming him Adam. Adam Warlock, if you know. Yes. We're going to look something up about him. I'm going to put you on that task. Good. Because Adam Warlock is a badass, from what I understand. I was listening to another podcast about this, and he was basically like, Saying that that made him cry. He looked at his wife and was like, "You have no <coughs> idea how big of a deal that shit is." Um, the last, the last one here. A group of uninterested watchers <coughs> listen to their informant discuss several experiences on Earth. And this is another big one, man. It's another big deal here. I'm going to read something about this. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Who are the Watchers? Uh, the Marvel Universe has been powerful and iconic cosmic. Or it has many powerful and iconic cosmic entities, many of which fans are still wanting to see adapted for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's who Stan Lee was with. Oh. 
Uh, we've already seen the cosmic figures uh, like our Asgardian, Asgardian gods, Dormammu, um, Celestials, the Collector, and the Grandmaster all adapted for the MCU, but there are so many other entities we've either heard mention of, uh, the Living Tribunal, Mephisto, or only gotten brief glimpses of Eternity. Case in point, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 introduced an especially iconic set of Marvel <coughs> cosmic ent er, characters, but only teased them in a quick cameo with little or no explanation. So who are the Watchers? Let's break down their history in the Marvel comics. Um, Eyes on the Universe. Holy shit. I don't want to read all these. Um, in the Marvel comics, the Watchers are the most ancient species in the universe. God damn it. A-W-A. Yeah. Ancient spirits in the universe, um, at some point they're attempting and failing to spread enlightenment. The Watchers took on a vow, a vow on total neutrality and non-interference with universal events, opting to er, instead to observe universal events unfold. I have an interesting, uh, I got some Wikipedia information about these guys. Okay, go ahead. <coughs> or, well, all right. The Watchers are one of the oldest species in the universe and are committed to observing and compiling knowledge on all aspects of the universe. So they're not like the Owens, kind of. Yes, I was going to say that. The policy of total non-interference came into existence due to a former well-meant attempt by the Watchers to bestow advanced knowledge on the pros proslicans, who, who use the nuclear technology gained to create weapons and destroy themselves. When the Watchers returned to Proselicus, the survivors blamed them for causing the catastrophe by giving them the Proselicans nuclear technology before they were ready for it. The Watchers then took a vow to never interfere with other civilizations. So, yeah, despite this, the Watcher Uatu has revealed himself to the, uh, the superhero team, the Fantastic Four, telling them that are of his race. In the, his first appearance, he made uh, them battle the Red Ghost and Super Apes for control of the moon. He complimented Reed Richards and claimed the, uh, he would go to a more distant part of the galaxy to observe humanity. Um, let's see here. That's a lot, dude. Let's read. The Watchers are cosmic beings who possess the innate ability to achieve virtually any effect desired, including aug aug <coughs> including augmenting personal attributes, time and space manipulation, molecular manipulation, energy projection, and a range of mental powers. They also have access to highly advanced technology. Interesting. There's a bunch, dude. A bunch so what they're them. saying here... Shit, where did it go? Was that Stan Lee is one of those. He's going to become one. Well, I guess uh, Uatu, the Watcher who was originally assigned to Earth and who was the first to break with his people's principles of non-interference by allying, allying himself with the Fantastic Four against Galactus. Interesting. Hmm... So yes, here's a little bit about Adam Warlock. I believe there's a little bit of continuity problems because I think on here it says scientists on Earth calling themselves the Enclave created an artificial perfect human who initially calls himself him. After rebelling against his creators and having a, a conflict with Thor, him decides to leave Earth and travels into space. He encounters the High Evolutionary who gives him the name Warlock. The High Evolutionary, maybe that's who that, that maybe that's how that happens. The High Evolutionary is that the same as the yeah, maybe as the, the sovereign. Yeah, yeah, because that—that's kind of what they're—they are. They consider themselves an evolutionary at their best. So, request Warlock's help in saving the artificially created planet, counter Earth from the evil man beasts, and gives Warlock this green soul gem. That's the most important thing about him is that he has the soul gem. Oh, okay, interesting. Also referred to as the soul jewel, 
which allows a warlock to capture souls of other beings. When he arrives on Counter-Earth, Warlock is given the name Adam by four teenagers who befriend him. After the Man-Beast defeat, Warlock leaves Counter-Earth to find a new purpose. So there's a little bit. And then uh, he, gets, he gets resurrected. There's a lot about him, but I'm going to read his powers and abilities. As him, the character possesses superhuman strength, speed, durability, stamina, agility, and the ability to manip- manipulate cosmic energy for energy projection, flight, and recuperation. Example, creating a cocoon for self-preservation and regeneration. However, him sacrificed the majority of these powers by prematurely emerging from his cocoon in order to defend the high evolutionary from an assault by the man-beast. So he wasn't even fully right. developed. In compensation, the High Evolutionary gave him the Soul Gem. The gem possesses a consciousness of its own and demonstrates a vampiric hunger for the life energies of organic beings. It contains an idyllic pocket universe that hosts all the souls that gem has ever taken. The last version of Warlock uses quantum magic and can can manipulate energy, create force fields, teleport, travel faster than light, and detect or produce wormholes and other irregularities in space on a cosmic scale. Adam Warlock has, also has the power to devolve the f- followers of Man-Beast into, into the animals from which they evolved. Wow. As well as revert the Brute into Counter-Earth Reed Richards. The power comes from his soul gem. Hmm. Imagine if he was fully developed in that cocoon right. originally and then got the soul gem. He'd be, he's that's already crazy. that's cra- faster than light. Yeah, that's insane. <clears throat> it's crazy. Well, some people believe that the soul gem is what's, going, that, that is what's inevitably going to keep Yondu from death. Like Marvel's Lazarus Pit. Hmm. Yeah, but he's Ash now. Unless they can somehow turn the Ash back into life. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe with the Infinity Gauntlet himself. Actually, yeah, there's a story out there where Nebula gets the Infinity Gauntlet first. And does a bunch of shit with it. Maybe she'll resurrect him because you can definitely you can turn back time, resurrect, and you can do a bunch of shit with that fucking thing. All right, so the last bit of stuff we have in here, we have, well, we have thirty six Easter eggs for Marvel from Guardians of the Galaxy. Look, this is Adam Warlock. Hmm. He was made an appearance in the Silver Surfer animated series. Interesting. Oh, I bet you that series is fucking crazy. Yeah. I would watch that. Yeah. I didn't even know it was a thing. Me neither. <laughs> all right, so. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, we don't have to read all these if you don't want to, but. We can just read, like, the, the title of uh, all of them, but we don't have to read the whole everything, but. All right, well, did you already say something about it? No, I just said that we were about to start reading them. There's 36. Easter eggs, all right. So, number 36, Star Star-Lord's new gear. Uh, looks like he's got... The nostalgia came from Star-Lord's signature Sony Walkman. It was hard to match, but another but another relic is sure to get as many laughs in just a single shot. We're referring to the handheld device Peter uses to warn his teammates that the obelisk is approaching the Sovereign the sovereign Batteries. Oh, yeah, so he had hmm. a thing that was letting him know when it was coming. Yeah, I can understand that, the detection of it, but how did they know it was coming to begin with? Yeah, I don't know. The grotesque cosmic space bees that, they, that they're there to kill it may be taken um, by some as just a standard piece of 1980s tech, but will be unmistakable to other video game fans that it was a handheld version of the Mattel football with some noticeable upgrades, obviously. Hmm. That's pretty interesting. Also, he gets a zoom in this movie. Yeah, he does. Which is some fucking random. We got here number 35, the Orloni are everywhere. I don't know what that means, but 
says Marvel fans may be more interested in the antics and escapades of the heroes at the local wildlife, but James Gunn and his effects team have made one thing clear. In the cosmos of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Orloni rule the ground level. In case some have forgotten, the Orloni are the small bipedal pests that resemble a cross between an earth rat, a frog. Oh, those fucking things that Groot yeah, were always fighting. Okay. okay. That They were also the things that... Remember in the beginning of the first movie when, when the, the opening and Peter was like on that planet? And he was like that. He starts his Walkman and he goes in around dancing alone yeah. on that planet. And he picks up one of them creatures and sings into it. Oh, on the microphone. Oh yeah, yeah they are. That's interesting. That's an interesting Easter egg. But. <laughs> so uh, number thirty-four confirmed. <laughs> Drax hates dancing. Few will ever forget that the first mid-credits button scene from the first Guardians of the Galaxy, in which the sprouting Groot learned to love Earth music as much as Peter Quill, specifically grooving to the tunes of the Jackson 5. At the time, one glance from Drax was all it took to freeze Groot in place, apparently not wishing to be seen dancing. The sequel offers a partial explanation since Drax outright states he does not dance. That's why he was that's why like during that first fight scene when Groot was dancing, like Drax was right behind him and Groot was just like <laughs> looking up at yeah. him in the corner of his eye and then Drax Drax got taken away and then he was like Yep, that makes perfect sense. That's so funny. I, I never I, I wouldn't have known that. Uh, number 33, Aisha. To say that the film's secondary antagonist is a bit grandiose would be an understatement. When introduced, the gold woman sitting in a gold throne before her gold people wastes no time <laughs> explaining that her people, the Sovereign, are perfection, that she is perfection among them, and their civilization has been engineered for that exactly that purpose. The film itself doesn't give much backstory or insight on this woman's existence or other motives or motivations, but her name is enough for Marvel comic fans to see where the film is headed before it gets there. She is Aisha, and for the larger world of the Marvel's co- cosmic characters, she's a biggie. Right. She has something. So, oh, she's the her to his him. Huh. Hmm. I think that's the people that are talking the whatever they called it in. Called yeah. It. Makes sense. So, number 32, the Sovereign must love arcades. The decision to build the Sovereign Armada out of remote piloted drones is a clever way of keeping it keeping the body count down while making sense in the film's mythology. Perfect creatures wouldn't risk their lives flying ships for themselves. So, yeah, that was like what we talked about earlier. Yeah. Uh, the planet Burhurt, as the Guardians are fleeing from the Sovereign forces and arguing over who is superior pilot, Star-Lord, or Rocket, Gamora notes that a nearby planet can be jumped to for safety. The planet is simply referred to as Burhurt. And if you miss her naming it amidst the combat, there's a chance to see it once again when, they, when the ship crashes the Milano onto its surface. The name appears with a string of coordinates before the setting Milano smashes the information out of view. For Marvel fans, it's no ordinary planet. In the film, Burhurt appears to be largely uninhabited, at least in the forested area that the Guardians are restricted to before being captured by the Ravagers. Yet the planet has stor- strong ties to the Marvel Universe, first appearing in The Incredible Hulk number 111. It's home to Sag- Sagittarians, a race of people tr- uh, thrust into a Hulk-centered conflict with the Galaxy Master involving their leader, Princess Daedra. No such luck in the Marvel Cinematic uh, version, but a nice Easter egg for fans all the same. Hmm. Can you make this a little bit bigger? Yeah. Uh, where are we at here? Great idea. I forgot about it. Perfect. 
All right, so <coughs> Star-Lord. He was wearing a shirt in the movie, obviously, and it had some shit on it. I uh, don't really care all that much. It translated into Gears Shift, essentially, was what it was. And the... I don't know. It doesn't really have any relevance to anything. Okay, so number 29, the planet Contraxia. As Peter and the Guardians are trying their <coughs> luck against the Sovereign's patients and crashing on the remote planet, the action shifts to the other cast of characters and uh, from the first film, specifically Yondu and the Ravagers shown to be taking uh, in some recreation uh, befitting their character on the planet Contraxia. Despite the planet's now, um, it looks to be a neon-fueled den of vices and alcohol and a brothel populated by robot courtesans which isn't exactly the way it is portrayed in the Marvel Comics universe. In the comics, Traxia is really best known as the homeworld of Marie, the mother of Marvel hero Jack of Hearts. Contractions search for a solution <coughs> to the dying sun when the Earth scientists came up with a possible free energy. Uh, whatever. That, I don't want to read that. All right. Tommy Flanagan as Tolk. It's on Contraxia that Yondu is called into the street by the newest member of the Ravager cast, actor Tommy Flanagan. Flanagan. Playing one of the criminal gang known as Tulk. His character doesn't play too large a part in the events of the film, but does become the frozen face of the Ravager mutiny led by Taserface. The name is an Easter egg on its own since Tulk isn't all that common and belongs to an existing bounty hunter slash mercenary in the Marvel Universe. Granted, there's little resemblance. Okay. <laughs> Alright, so how the Duck makes another appearance, like we said before. Uh, I wonder if it says what he says in here. Uh, it was a moment that was elated countless Marvel fans and the first Guardians of the Galaxy um, while others sat wondering why a humanoid, a humanoid duck in a suit drinking a tropical cocktail meant anything. Soon, every movie fan was reminded that the comic book series Howard the Duck and the live-action adaptation of the story that director James Gunn openly hates. But as a fan of the source material, it only seemed right to Howard the Duck earn an affection of the collector. <laughs> Number 26, Stallone is Starhawk. The secret got out fast that Sylvester Stallone was playing Star Starhawk Ogord, better known in the comic book world as Star oh, Stalkar, better known as Starhawk. In the original incarnation of the Guardians of the Galaxy, Starhawk was one of the just the many cosmic heroes claiming the Guardian's name, operating as pseudo stand-ins for the Marvel other Marvel characters or tropes. In the far-off future of the 31st century, Marvel went with the modern version of the team that became later years when it came to join the MCU. But Guardians Volume 2 gives the original Guardians new life, beginning with Starhawk. Interesting. Michael Rosenbaum is Martin what? X. Who is Martin X? I'm not really sure. Who's Mar who's Michael Rosenbaum? He played Lex Luthor on oh. Smallville. <clears throat> James Gunn efforts to bring the... Original Guardians of the Galaxy roster to the MCU goes full speed in the post-credit <coughs> sequences, but the er, but uh, start earlier than many will realize when Stalker is telling Yondu that his exile brings the Ravager <coughs> leader no satisfaction. He is flanked by one fellow Ravager with only his head and neck visible. Oh, Flung that's that guy, the diamond guy. Not out of flesh, but out of hard diamond-like crystal. That's Michael. I did not. I couldn't believe. I can't believe that's Michael Rosenbaum. I can't believe I didn't notice that. That's crazy. He looked a lot to me like Electro looked on. Yeah, he Amazing did. Spider-Man. Interesting. Right. So we're down to that's number twenty-four. Cool. The law, the lone celestial. When explaining how he came to exist as both a planet and a man, Ego begins by describing his birth and as suddenly becoming aware that he was a brain floating in the blackness of space, a symbol that later proves to be completely literal. <laughs> Over millions of years, he became a planet and later became capable of travel, all thanks to the fact that he was an immortal being known as a celestial. 
is a fitting name since he was born of Cosmos itself, but the idea that he is truly alone in a celestial existence goes somewhat against Marvel mythology. Maybe that the MCU is definitely ego as is defining ego as truly the soul celestial ever encountered, but in the previous film another can be glimpsed. It's during the Collector's holographic explanation of the Infinity Stone showing the ability of the Power Stone to eradicate all life on an entire planet. The stone is shown glowing bright purple in the staff of a colossal being, designed as almost a dead ringer for Esson the Searcher, one of the several Celestials in the world of the Marvel Comics. Oh yeah. Pretty cool. So number 23, Rocket finally gets his eye. There's callbacks <coughs> plenty in Volume 2, particularly noticeable to fans who rewatched the first film before taking in the sequel. Chief among them is the prize retrieved by Groot and returned to Rocket and Yondu. Despite the prototype Finn, Yondu seeks to regain control over his arrow, being the real goal. Groot has some troubles with the translation, um, and then when he brings a prosthetic robot, robotic eyeball to the pair's cell, distinguished Yondu as Vorker's eye, or distinguished by Yondu as Vorker's eye, Rocket decides that he's <coughs> keeping it, um, that keeping it is the best course of action, since the Ravager will wake up to find that he can't find his eye the jokes write themselves that was so funny yeah it Not was really. a i guess it was a reference to the first movie when rocket and they were breaking out of the prison the didn't you say something about that yeah that's <laughs> that's funny uh, uh yondu completes his look number 22 uh, we mentioned that earlier uh speaking of that prototype fan it's far more uh, regal replacement than low blockier mohawk supported by Ron yondu in the original movie at the time, the subtle Mohawk was explained as a reimagining of his comic book counterpart. It was shorter than Yondu's ostentatious, massive head fin from the Guardian comics. But they brought it fucking back, which was dope. Yeah. I liked how they did that. That was cool. It, make, it gives it a reason why it was different. Yeah. <coughs> All right, so number 21, the truth of Stanley's cameos. So Marvel fans have enjoyed... Uh, yeah, have enjoyed the always unexpected appearance from legendary comic creator Stanley for years across studios, universes, and even historical eras, playing everyday schmoes or high-ranking officials. Lee's omnipresence has even led fans to theorize that Stanley is actually Uatu the Watcher, the member of the yeah. ancient, the ancient race of observers charged with keeping up, uh, up to the minute on all happenings on the planet, on the planet Earth. Guardians Two settles this question once and for all, but stops short. Are revealing <laughs> Lee as Uwatu himself. As Rocket and Yondu make their sequence of jumps across space toward towards Ego, they fly past they fly past Stan Lee in a spacesuit sharing his experiences on Earth to a small gathering of Kate large headed aliens. Yeah, he was mentioning all of his cameos. Yep. It was interesting. These are the watchers and Lee recounts his tales of playing a Federal Express man in Captain America Civil War. The camera focuses in on one watcher in particular who may be the real Uwatu. Lee is credited as Marvel's Marvel Marvel Universe's Universe Watcher Informant. Yeah, because like, if he was Uatu, why was he as a regular person in a spacesuit? Why did he need the spacesuit? Right. Either way, interesting. Uh, Cronin cameo. Elsewhere in the Guardians' montage of space jumps, a quick flip through the atmosphere of a barren alien world shows that appears to be battled to be a battle to the death in action. The fighters are two large, rocky-looking behemoths with standing with a standing fighter brandishing a massive stone club. In Marvel speak, that's exactly how you would describe the race known as Cronins, already glimpsed in the MCU when one of the rock monsters attempted to best Thor in the Dark World's opening battle. The armor even looks the same in both cases. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't even know how to fucking say this one. Askavarian. Askavarian. Uh, so another callback, perhaps at least when Rocket... Uh, finally makes contact with Gamora after she has come to truce with her sister Nebula. 
he and Yondu have put their vomit-inducing jumps behind them. He tells <laughs> that her scene that was funny as shit too. Yeah, though. dude, it was great. Um, he tells them that they're headed to the surface as the Elector's main core remains in orbit with Kraglin and at the controls. Rogan informs his teammate that he and Yondu and Groot will be heading down to rescue them in an old piece of construction equipment. Yondu once used to slice open the bank of Ascavaria. Hmm. Number 18, the planet's face. Rocket and Yondu's arrival carries a sense of foreboding with it, following hot on the heels of Gamora and Nebula's discovery of a cave filled with bones. As the trio descend to the surface, they approach from the opposite side as Ego initially welcomes startled Gamora and Drax to his planet. And from that angle, it's clear to see Ego's eyes, nose, and mouth showing on the planet to be a living entity. Perfectly in keeping with the comic book version. That's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So, number 17, Star-Lord glimpses eternity. Quote-unquote, eternity. Um, it's an easy moment to miss, given everything that happened when it appears. Um, but as Ego attempts to convince Peter to join his cause, he changes the world with a press on his forehead. In that moment, Peter's eyes are replaced by starscapes, apparently allowing him to see to the ends of the universe and existence itself. But before it is completely lost, he stands mouth open in awe, uttering a single word, eternity. It makes sense, since most of us assume that he is seeing time in all reality uh, as a being, as ancient as Ego does, but it means much more. In Marvel Comics universe, eternity isn't just a concept, but an actual figure, as seen or as is usually the case, Marvel's cosmic mythology, the concept of all time and reality within the universe is embodied by, by eternity. One of a, a number of beings existing before and beyond all creation, paired with infinity and death, and entity and oblivion and galactus. It'd be even he, higher than like the fucking Watchers. Yeah. Uh, he represents the cosmic force on a scale few can comprehend, so it's possible that Star-Lord's vision of eternity isn't gift of egos but a reality he can simply glimpse yeah because Star Wars probably wasn't even it. maybe at that time being a celestial and dealing with that he might have oh this is cool too I'm going to read this last bit too the, the, that implies the cosmic forces pulling ego strings are greater than he can imagine and since the first Guardians movie showed a temple mural depicting eternity infinity entropy and death surrounding the six infinity zones well we would say that this is a throwaway word for or word is far more meaningful that's pretty cool. All right, number 16, the guns join their son's adventure. Director James Gunn stops short of inserting himself into his own space epic, at least that we know of, since he appeared as the unmasked soldier under Ronan's command in the first Guardians, but made sure to include some family members. When Ego taps into Star-Lord's powers, he activates his many seedling around the universe, turning the small flower behind the Missouri Dairy Queen into an undulating, growing mass of blue energy. When the power ceases to be wielded, the energy darkness hardens and dies. In that moment, you get a look at the older couple taking in the phenomenon with some confusion. Keep an eye peeled on the final credits, and you'll see both James Gunn, Sir Senior, and Leota Gunn among the cast. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, so Peter's grandfather returns. This is what I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, the second time the blob stops spreading uh, across Missouri, it does so permanently, and not a moment too soon for the occupants of one vehicle. The Blob has lifted their SUV onto his front tires just moments away from consuming it from the back and forward. The driver of the passenger, the driver and the passenger have only a second to consider their confused relief before the film cuts back to Ego, but it is through. It is enough to identify the driver as Peter Quill's grandfather, playback <coughs> Greg Henry, who uh, coincidentally was in the episode of Supergirl that we watched today. Very interesting. Yeah. 
Uh, number 14, Young Peter returns. I guess that's pretty self-explanatory. You see, Young Peter. Yeah. Number 13, Yondu's Blue Frog. The uh, movie's emotional storyline comes to its conclusion as the Guardians lay Yondu to rest during or dressing him with a ceremonial ribbons, colors, and surrounding him in meaningful trinkets. It's a small touch, but one of the trinkets in particular stands out. A small blue-colored crystal frog half-cloaked in a shadow. The devoted fans of the first movie will recognize it instantly as the same one that Yondu acquired while visiting the broker in Guardians of the Galaxy, explaining that he enjoys lining such small items up on the console of his ship. Oh, so that troll doll that he gave him in the first one wasn't such a slap in the face? No. Same thing. That's the next one. Yeah. 12. Yondu's troll doll following hot on the heels of the crystal frog is a shot of Peter placing a troll doll at Yondu's side as well, distinguishable thanks to his checkered coat as the very same troll doll masquerading as an Infinity Stone in the first film's final act. It might seem a bittersweet trinket since it was Star-Lord's deception that landed that Infinity Stone in his hand to begin with, but the second film makes it clear that Yondu saw the betrayal differently. Since it was suicide to even open up the container and view the Infinity Stone instead of simply selling it, Yondu had to suspect that the boy head that he mentored had pulled a fast one on him, but when he... When the troll doll was revealed, Yondu could only grin. The implication of pride was apparent. That's cool. Yeah. Number 11, One Last Arrow. When the other Ravager fractions turn away from their decision to exile Yondu, perhaps once Ego's villainous actions are exposed and his raising Peter are understood, or raising of Peter are understood uh, and arrive to honor him in death, the colors of Ogard flashing over his grave. Ogord are flashing over his grave are charged with er, sentimentality, so it may be hard for fans to see through the tears of the final loving detail, reserved for the blue skin softly beyond death. As uh, his son and teammates mourn his death, his cosmic ashes are spread throughout the stream of rainbow-colored particles, but as the fireworks and music swell, the particles condense into an intense pink and red hue in the shape of an arrow. The arrowhead is easiest to spot even if it's unclear. Um, whether that's an indication of Yondu's continued spirit or simply the filmmakers paying tribute to their own um, and ramifications or physics be damned, whichever one it is, it's a memorable finish. I didn't even notice that. No, I didn't either. Um, Charlie 27, played by Ving Rhames. It's Stalkar who shows the Yondu is still held in the hearts of the Ravagers, beginning the, f- uh, the further reveal of the other Ravager leaders. The first up is Ving Rhames, bringing to life the Marvel hero Charlie 27. No further information is offered or immediately visible other than his massive size, which is keeping with his comic book origin. That's cool. So, number nine, Alita, Starhawk's other half. The next and perhaps most interesting addition to the team is Alita O'Gord. Interesting. Played by Michelle Yee. What? There's more to that that is interesting. Oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, sorry. It was saying as a... Even if the specifics maybe need to be altered for his version, where Martin X, that guy, that diamond guy, I think, yeah. was a human was a human engineered to survive on Pluto. Charlie twenty seven was similarly engineered to survive on Jupiter. And the result was a super sized, super strong, super dense hero gifted with military strategy and unwavering strength. Since these are no longer the original guardians from the future, those origins will presumably be changed. But still, yeah, that's crazy. He was in, that human. That diamond guy was just a got a human be able to live on Pluto. That's crazy. Yeah, that's insane, dude. Um, so, yeah, uh, played by Michelle Yeo, as the name suggests, Alita is the adopted sister of a stalker or a gourd. But that's where this origin story stops being simple to, uh, to describe. We've previously explained how Alita and stalker from form Starhawk, so to keep the long story short, stalker is adopted by the Ogord family and eventually gains powers from the Hawk God alongside his sister Alita. The two merged to form Starhawk and used those powers, but 
only two or only one of them can remain in the physical form. Since the movie shows both Stalker and Alita separated, it's obvious um, James Gunn is pursuing a different course. Perhaps the two remain separate, but when uh, wishing to become the superpowered Starhawk, mu- uh, they must merge. Either that or they are simply both gifted with Starhawk's abilities. So that'd be interesting. All right, number eight, Krugar conjures strange magic. Among these humanoid ravagers assembling only after Yondu's death, one stands out as an alien-looking snake-like red figure standing upright on its tail. It's an easy character to identify since it's obviously Krugar, the Sorcerer Supreme of the future, personally trained by the same ancient one who showed Stephen Strange the ropes back in the 20th century. He's certainly the wild card of this new roster, but his form of approving their reunion is important. Important especially to the fans of Marvel's Doctor Strange. Hmm. Interesting. This is one that I totally missed. Number seven, Miley Cyrus is mainframe. The final comedic beat of this post-credit scene comes at the camera, or comes as the camera shifts to a severed robotic head, as the other Ravagers nod their assent or intention to honor Yondu's sacrifice and get the gang back together. The robot can't contain its sheer excitement, having missed these friends so much. The robotic head is harder to decipher than any <laughs> other character. Um, not having a body will do that, but James Gunn has confirmed it is mainframe, an artificial intelligence created by Tony Stark and tasked with guarding the administration of the entire planet. In the 31st century, Gunn had intended to keep that voice cameo under wraps a bit longer, but then it let, he let it slip in a single interview. The word soon, the world soon knew that Miley Cyrus would voice mainframe. Digital effects applied to her voice make it a bit harder to catch on first listen, so fans probably not or probably need to wait for more scenes to really hear to really judge what Cyrus will bring to the role. Hmm. Number six, Adam Warlock joins the MCU. We pretty much already went over him. So. Yep. Uh, so number five, a Grand Master credits cameo. Um, in keeping with the soundtrack of Guardians of the Galaxy, the credits are punctuated by snippets of the cast showing their own unique brands of boogie. It is a chance to see Chris Pratt, Michael Rooker, and Karen Gillan. Um, and others cut loose just to get down. But there's no, there's one dancer you'll like, <coughs> you like want, that you'll like want to watch out for. It's weird. Keep your eyes on the right hand side of the screen after or and after return I can't read today dude. Uh, and you'll notice Jeff Goldblum's Grandmaster shaking his thing I didn't even see that mm. it's weird um, Cosmo returns we can't tell if it's a fan service or a cruelty that urged the filmmakers to place a glorious heroic portrait portrait of Cosmo and the space dog at the end of the film's credits but if it's all we're going to get it's better than nothing for the Marvel movie fans He's the dog in a spacesuit shown in the previous Guardians film as a part of the Collector's Collection, giving Rocket a growl as the team entered his massive complex. Hmm. Number three, uh, it's just something tiny. Did you notice that like random parts throughout the credits were like different? They were like getting changed or something? Yeah, I would say like I am Groot, and yeah. then it would change to whatever yeah. it was. That's pretty much all it was. Grooted credits it happens throughout the whole yeah. thing. It was interesting. Uh, Hasselhoff lends his voice. He even let, it, we didn't even mention that he... Uh, Star-Lord's dad at one point was like because Star-Lord grew up on Earth and he always said that Hasselhoff was his father. Yeah. So at one point his fucking uh, his real dad the uh, ego like materialized as him. It was weird. <laughs> Just fucking David Hasselhoff. Fucking yeah, funny. it was very strange. But uh, Hasselhoff lends his voice. It was Kevin Bacon who got to wear the pop culture crown in the first Guardians thanks to his footloose heroics. But in the sequel it's all David Hasselhoff. After Peter reveals to Gamora that he used to tell kids his father was the Knight Rider actor and singer, Hasselhoff makes an appearance himself in the film's final act. 
Since its ego taken on the visage of Hasselhoff while urging Peter to reconsider his plan, Hasselhoff is created only as the form of David Hasselhoff in the final scroll. <laughs> Interesting. Why does it say he lends his voice? That's not his only con- The song that plays over the middle portion of the credits may sound less familiar than the rest of the movie soundtrack with good reason. It's Hasselhoff himself serenading the audience <laughs> with the song titled Guardians Inferno. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. That is weird, dude. Uh, and final disclaimer. Before the credits... Wait, it's your turn, right? Yeah, so before the credits come to a close and return to Stanley informing the less than wrapped watchers on that distant rock that they end on yet another I am Groot as it reaches the center <coughs> of the screen. That too changes to its full text, a disclaimer stating the following. No raccoons or tree creatures were harmed during the making of this feature. The same cannot be said for the handlers of said raccoons and tree creatures. <laughs> Amber mentioned that, and I, I didn't, I missed it. It's a callback to the previous film's own disclaimer, with the added implication that one's task with keeping Rocket or Groot in check are the real victims here. But what do you expect? Well, yeah. So, yeah, that movie was fucking awesome. Yeah, Watch it was it. great. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely go check it out. Well, that does it for us, man. We're almost at two hours here. Yeah, well, everybody go watch this movie. If you haven't read it? Well, I mean, <laughs> if you haven't watched it, listen to our podcast. Let us know what you think. And have a good night. Yep. See you later. Nerd Talklips is not endorsed by any of the companies represented. All references are used under fair use laws for review and examination thereof. And this podcast was made for entertainment purposes only. Thanks for listening to us geek out and come back next week for more reviews, news, and Nerd Talkalypse.